And welcome everyone. We are back for another program of your host, Mordechai Weinberger, LCSW. That's Mordechai Weinberger, licensed clinical social worker. I'd like to thank everyone for hosting us. I'd like to thank the jrootradio.com for hosting us, Yeshiva World for hosting us, and the Lakewood Scoop for hosting us. The number to call in to ask your question or comment, anything about the psychological field, of course, it's got to be family appropriate, is 718 683 5858. That's 718 683 5858. And looking forward to taking your question or comment. So let's go ahead and just start with a little topic that was on my mind. And we've actually got that from the first questions that we have about the Lakewood Scoop. A lot of people have been asking about that. And I'd like to start with this. And then we're going to go to Avigail on line one. Just please hold and we will go to you. So the question is as follows. Can you please give us tips for all the singles? We're all going through a very hard time. Shidduch is basically on our minds 24-7. We go to sleep worrying and stressed and wake up like that. We feel self-conscious walking in the street, meeting people. It's, so, it's also difficult. We meet friends with bigger children already, and it's, ex- it's extremely, extremely painful. How should I keep sane and normal in this difficult time? Thanks again for everything you do. May Hashem bench you with a lot of Hatzlacha. Amen. I'd like to take this question and just transfer it to different areas where we see similar issues. Question, I'm in business and all my friends are so much more successful than I am. I am married and I don't have children, but all my friends have children. The next step, I'm already a grandparent and I've got some children that aren't doing as well as others. I only have whatever it should be. I only have five children. I don't have 10 children. Whatever the issue is, if we could notice that at every stage in our life, this is a yesoid that's there that haunts us, literally haunts us, how other people have. And that's why in Pasha's Veschanan, or I'd say at least in the Saras Hadibris, one of the main focuses that we have is loisachmo, is not to be jealous of. So don't be jealous of the other person's chamar, what he has, the other person's house, and everything that the person's got. Which means it's the most human nature out there to want, to look at others and to say, I need and I don't have, when we see what the other one has, the other person has something more than we do. But that's not the focus that we want to focus on. What we want to focus on is what do I have? Because remember, that same person that's got everything looks at simple you that you think you're simple and says, I wish I had simplicity. I wish I had calmness. How many wealthy people I hear them say, I wish I would just have a simpler life where my wife would spend less, where kids would be happier with a little that they have. Everything that's out there, there's always a second side to it. We are going to go now to Avigail. Avigail, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hi. Yes. Um, okay, first I want to, um, there was last week, not last week, two weeks ago, there was someone calling in that he regretted an apartment that he sold. Yes. And you helped him go over the regret. Yes. So I just want to add that something for a lot of people to know that in the Torah there is no regret. And the entire Tanakh, you have nowhere you see guilt. Um, the only place where we're supposed to feel guilty is when we bring a carbon and we have to say to the client, why do we brought the carbon for? Other than this, guilt is not allowed. Ah. And, mm-hmm. and I think when people know that, it just helps them. Um, okay, now to my question. How do you know when you're assertive and when you're selfish? Oh, that's a fantastic question. And I'd like to even let some of our listeners maybe call in and just give their thoughts. But I'm going to give you my simple, humble opinion, the difference between assertiveness and aggressiveness. Assertiveness is 
When I am aware of what my job is, I am assertive to take care of myself. What's my job? Aggression is when I'm going into your job. Assertiveness can be very gentle. Aggression is always mean and is always vicious. It is always using force. Assertiveness is gentle. Assertive, so just for an example, if a parent tells a kid now is bedtime and the kid is listening, the parent says it three, four times, now is bedtime, now is bedtime, go to bed. Or the kid starts speaking to the mother 20 minutes later and the mother is now saying, you're in bed now, you're now supposed to be sleeping, I'm now not speaking to you, that's assertiveness. Now you belong in bed. Aggression is when you start yelling and screaming, get into bed now. Do you notice the energy that's starting to go out, that's leaving the person, that's, that's projecting? That's aggression. Forcing someone is aggression. Hurting someone is aggression. So if I, uh, if I am going on vacation and I refuse to stay by my parents because of my needs yes. and my parents are getting upset about it, yes. am, I, am I selfish or am I assertive? Well, let's now first notice the word selfish is a completely different emotion. Let's just go back to the words and let's clarify that a step further. Assertive is when I am taking care of my rights. Aggression is also when I am projecting my rights onto others. So let's take out the word your parents because whenever we deal with parents, I am very, very pro and I'm always saying, please contact a competent Rav. And I'll okay. be very clear because many times just speaking to your parents can be yujisurim. If all the discussion is, discussing is Lashon Hara, boy, you might not have such a head to speak to them at all. On the other hand, if what your parents are asking is permissible, is halachically even mandated, we need to know what's halacha. Unfortunately, when parents say the words just because a kibbadava aim, that's not necessarily using the term correctly. And since I am not a rav, I will not paskin. But I'll tell you, since the way it sounds like is there's a lot riding of your emotional health and your husband's and the family, I would tell you these are cases where you contact a rav. That's what rabbanim are for. You have base Hiraz available 24-7 now, answering lines. Just pick up the call and ask. So I just want to clarify. Let's take out the word your parents and let's change it. Let's assume it was a sister. Okay. All right. So you want to go on a certain vacation. You have a sister that is being upset and manipulating you to go to them. Correct? Right. Right. Now, if you would do it that way, let's understand the question. You want to do one thing. That person wants you to do another. Assertiveness is, is discussing my rights. Aggression is focusing on others must do what I want on a forceful way. Words, it's okay to say, would you like to please come to me? Please come to me. I'd really appreciate it. We'll have such a great time. And the person has a choice to say no. Aggressiveness is when the person is afraid. Aggression is usually has a physical connotation to that. Okay, I'm trying to understand. Okay, which part still isn't clear? Um, the feeling part, because because where I struggle is that I want them to be happy that I'm coming to visit, but yet I want to go home and now, be happy myself. Now, that has nothing to do with assertiveness. That has nothing to do with aggression. Now it has to do with codependence. Codependence means you want to make someone or you want to have someone happy with the way you do life, but what happens if that person is not a happy person? So I feel that I don't care, but then oh, I feel... Oh, if you don't care, then notice how you do care. Let's first acknowledge the true emotions. You don't care or you deny your emotions. If you wouldn't care, you would just not go. 
Notice how you said before that you want to help your sister. You're, you want your family to be happy. You want to go on them to be happy. You want you to be happy, but that can't happen. So, uh, so basically, I have to um, some sort of forget about their emotions and uh, focus on mine. Now you want to know how to change codependence all in one day? You'd mm -hmm. like to have a cast in like 30 seconds? Recognize the family pattern that has been going on. Before we go to the solution, we first need to recognize the pain. How many of your siblings are being controlled by this tough sister? How many simchas has been going through afraid? What happens if this sister is not happy with this or with that? This is the entire family. Gone. That's right. Hold on. So before we go into the solution, we first got to go into the problem. How much of your marriage is thinking about this sister? The sister will not be happy because of this. The sister will not be happy about that. I can't do no, this. No, the sister is missing God because we don't tell her nothing. Well, uh, but, why, but why don't we tell the sister nothing? Because when she finds out, she gets upset, right? That's right. Uh, but so as we know in life, we ne can never avoid things. And that sister ends up finding out everything or most things anyhow. And then she gets upset why you didn't tell me, right? Yeah, so so let's, let's acknowledge. Hold on. I still need you to acknowledge. I want you to know so you're busy in the solution. I'm busy with explaining to you how big your issue is. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Your issue is that your family is completely trapped in this sibling. I want you to recognize how your marriage was affected by this sibling. Do you see how much of your marriage was focused on this sibling? Um, I know, but I got out a lot of it, and I feel that I went a step ahead or two steps ahead, and I... And I did get out of it. So I see, I see the codependency that was, but I don't see the codependency that's now. Okay, so based on your question, it's telling us, Baruch Hashem, you've grown a lot. There's still codependence. They're you're making right. a trip this... and you're hesitant. What will I do about that sister? That, that's right. This is where I'm trying to understand myself. Where is it the border between being aggressive and taking Why care of my Why would you even needs. think you're aggressive? I don't even see the word aggressive to come in at all. Aggressive is when you're yelling at that person, stop telling me what to do. You have no right to ever ask me anything. People have rights to ask anything they want. No, all I said when um, they asked me to stay. No, I would like to, before we go there, I just want you to clarify, how does the word aggression come in? Because when they ask, I'm going to tell you, because when they ask me, please stay here, and I said... I'm sorry, I want to come from my vacation, and I want to enjoy, and therefore, I'd rather stay in my own place. Yes. And, now, and, well, first of all, number one, there's a saying in the Al-Anon saying, which is, I'd just like to help you out to do things a little bit differently. How about, no, is a full sentence. That is the concept. And just to tell that family member, thank you for the offer, and right now we are going somewhere else. Uh, without details. Without details, just... Thank you for the offer. I appreciate the love that you have. And now we are just going somewhere else. And you, one of the secrets how you work with codependence, I've got an entire program on that. Let's see which program. And it's about how to just repeat yourself over and over. It's a program called um, How to Stop Negotiating with Terrorists. And we don't consider terrorists bad people. We're just referring to the concept. It was a good marketing tool for the title. It's number 16 in my phone line, 718-298-2011. 718-298-2011, number 16, stop negotiating with terrorists. The concept is we learn how to just repeat ourselves six times. Nothing else but the same answer. By the sixth time, they'll go, oh, I hear you. So uh -huh. I really appreciate the offer, sister, and thank you. And right now, we're going to be leaving for the next three nights. But don't you love us? Don't you care about us? I really appreciate the offer. It's so nice of you, and we're going to be leaving tonight. 
I really appreciate everything you've done, the hospitality, the food, the lunch, the supper, and we're going to be leaving tonight at 5 o'clock. So thank you so much, and we're leaving now at 5 o'clock, and thank you so much for what you've done. And they go, they'll start manipulating, but if you really cared about me, you'd stay longer. If you had such a good time, you'd stay longer. Is there any reason why you're leaving by me and by the other one you stayed the whole time? Thank you very much, sister, for everything you've done. We really appreciate it. It was fantastic, and now we are leaving. So you don't even, you basically... That's basically, just one of the tools. I feel there's so much there, but yes. We don't, no, I, I, yes, we don't, yes, we don't engage in the battle. We don't engage in the battle. We just take one step at a time. Okay. Listen, Hashem should help me. I should do the right thing. Amen. Step. Amen. And please do that. Call us up next week with a feedback. Thank you. Sure. Bye-bye. Bye. We are going to Chaim. Chaim on line two. You're on the air with Mordechai. Hi. Thank you for I holding. How are you doing? Fine. Baruch Hashem. Uh, I, I just want to know, uh, I call about the third time already, about uh, an extirpation. I call... Sure. Uh, yes, Reb Chaim. That was about your daughter-in-law. Yes. Yes. Okay. Is uh, she getting better with the, the, um, the therapy? A little better. The thing is, Rexic is almost, um, she's controlled, uh, she's eating. The problem is she hates the therapy. She don't want to go anymore. Of course. She, um, because the therapy Now, let me ask you a question. Twice I've given the recommendation, and I just want to understand what's happening over here. I've rec recommended twice for you to get a therapist to guide you. Have you gotten a therapist to guide you yet? Yes. Good. What is that therapist recommending? I just want to make sure you're not relying on me as your guidance when it's something that needs constant guidance. This is just uh -huh. meant for awareness. I'm not here to guide your case. Okay. The therapist, uh, the therapist, one, because she's so angry, she's the only one. Is she, uh, one second. Okay. Hi, I'm sorry. My husband gave me the phone because it doesn't speak English so well. Okay, certainly. The therapist wants her to come once a week. Because it's so hard on her, she says it's so hard, it makes her pressure every time she comes home, she's not in a good mood. And the guy that is afraid she's going to fall back into her anorexic problem, he said it's enough, she should go once a month. Oh, Hashem Yishmar. Absolutely not. Does this therapist have experience with anorexia? Definitely. Definitely? Then I listen to the therapist. I'm a, I'm a believer in therapists, at least if they, if they come highly recommended and someone that has experience. My personal opinion is something is very wrong here. You're describing someone that's got severe anorexia. This person needs not only once a week, needs twice a week therapy. The point that therapy is too hard means she needs the therapy. When you're healthier, it doesn't hurt you. When you're healthier, you can find your issues and deal with it. Now, if someone says it's hard, then I have had clients where I see them once a week or once in two weeks, but we understand the goal is to get it to once a week and then to get to sometimes twice a week. She did go twice a week in the beginning. She's up to once a week. Okay, hold on. Let's clarify. I don't want to go into the details because I'm not here to guide the case. I don't want to have the achrayas on me. That's why I feel it's the third time. I feel like I'm starting to be almost responsible for the case, and I don't want to do that. We need someone that's intimately involved, someone that's aware. Now, what I'd we like do to somebody, but I don't know if I should trust him all the way. Well, never trust anyone all the way. You, that's why you never trust me. Please, please don't trust me, people. Okay. I don't want that Achrayis. Question me. Okay, so that's what I'm doing. I'm questioning a second person. Great. So that you can do. To me, if she's gone twice a week 
And is she better? I don't understand why once a week is hard for her. What's hard going to a therapist once a week to face your issues? It's supposed I to get easier. Every client that I have, after a while, it's easy to face your issues and you're appreciating it. The session is hard, but after that, the week improves. In fact, every session starts by me. What has improved? What has changed in your week, either due to the session or not, but how your life is better? And that's a main integral part of it. It's 15 minutes of my session is focused on positives because we need to see things are improving. She said, one did tell me that she doesn't get like improvement, she doesn't get compliments of her improvement. Again, that's, let let me explain to you uh, just one of the concerns that I have, and I'm going to apologize for people that I'm going to offend with what I'm going to say now. Eating disorder is from the most severe disorders out there. I'm going to say the same now about borderline personality disorder. BPD is one of the more severe diagnoses out there. They will always have problems with the therapist because their issue is control. They don't want to let go. They want the therapist to do the session their way. They want to say how often to come. They want to say what subjects to discuss. And part of being a good therapist is saying, I will work with you a little, but I am in control. Your job is to need to learn to let go. What issues we are going to face and take care of, that is what's important. Okay. So if she isn't getting enough compliments, the, the point that I always tell my clients are as follows. If someone's got an issue with my session and I have an associate working with me, on the sessions, and many times clients tell him, oh, I liked your session so much better than Mordechai, or with Mordechai, I was afraid of stuff. That's okay, because part of my job is to be the experienced therapist, and part of my job is to set the tempo, the beat of therapy, and my job is to push. I'm comfortable uh-huh. doing that role. But when the person complains what it's called a splitting, what we talk to one therapist against another therapist, what we tell the family against the therapist, that's not healthy. And that's why every one of my clients knows that whatever you're going to tell my associate will come back to me, not in a negative because there are no secrets, in a healthy level. Because this way we can discuss it. And at the next session, I discuss it with them. So just this morning, I've had someone that worked with me and said, you know, I felt so bad. I didn't do such a good session. And because she discussed it with the associate, we were able to discuss it. No, actually, you did a fantastic session. At that session, what you did then that was important with me, with the, with the associate, you got now healthier and stronger. You were able to do more. And now with my session, we even did more than the past. What I'd like you to understand is as follows. BPD, eating disorders, will have issues with therapists. And that's where you need a therapist we can speak to to explain to you, and they will be in charge. This is a normal complaint from an eating disorder person. I didn't get enough compliments. That's uh-huh. part of their control. It has to go my way. Well, it's not going to go your way all the time. Part of life is it doesn't go the way I want. Uh-huh. That That's is part of their in control. I don't, and what they do is splitting means they can go to two, three different therapists, badmouth each one, and then go, sorry, I really didn't mean it. I just meant to say my feelings. No, you meant to badmouth. If you meant to grow, then you would tell that therapist sometimes, or like what we do, sometimes let's say you're, you're hurt, so you want to discuss the feelings. The next healthy step is, which we have in my system if someone has an issue with my associate, and I tell them, good, now be understanding. I review every session with the associate. We're going to discuss this issue, and at the next session, you will work it out. Imagine how healthy it is if a client has an issue, and then they learn how to work it out. So I've got that with two clients where we've worked out. They feel I feel so much more empowered now that I can work it out with you. Many times people think it's such a positive. Mordechai Weimarger, the big therapist, you know how many clients come in afraid to question me or if they have a problem, they wouldn't verbalize it? That's some of the negatives. I'm a regular person. And what we want to do is we want to help them feel safe in my office. So I'm going to give you one more example for you to recognize. 
One of the trainings I've given to this Hanoich, the guy associate working with me is, and it's different than someone else that I have that's a therapist. And the therapist told me as follows. He worked on someone's self-esteem and told the person, but when you're going to have confidence, don't challenge me. I'm not teaching you to get self-esteem for you to th threaten me or question me. And I've taught my associate just the opposite. When someone gets stronger, the first place they're going to challenge is you, the therapist. And we need to be able to, be able to A, take the punch, and then B, work it through. So could you imagine how healthy and how great it feels when a client can have an issue with me? And I could say, I heard you have an issue that I'm either too assertive or maybe I was pushing you too much. And then we discuss it and I explain why I did it. And the person explained to me how I could do it gentler next time. Now they've learned the healthy process of how to be assertive. Now, what your daughter-in-law is doing is she's playing you against the therapist saying, I don't want to go to the therapist because that therapist didn't compliment me. That is already unhealthy. Instead of saying, okay, I hear your issue. Let me call up the therapist. I will discuss it with the therapist with you. Now it's going to be your session, but going for therapy is a must. Eating disorders are years of work. Your daughter-in-law's got it serious. She cannot cop out a therapist, and I do not understand why the therapist would say once a month is okay unless she's already gained back the weight, unless her body is functioning normal and healthy, which I'm not so it sure is. that's happening. It is, it is. Okay. Then maybe the therapist feels once a month is okay, but however, the way you've described it, she said it's too painful to go for therapy, it doesn't sound to me, in my opinion, that she's done and we should stop now. It's just an accident waiting to happen, as I call. Now, these people get better? Well, with Siata Deshmai, the Rebbe put them on this world to get better, just like me and you are here. Do you right. get better? Do I get better? I know I'm working on getting better. <laughs> we try. Yes. Now, one more question. Sure. Um, and I'm we'll do it short because we'd like to take a lot more questions. All the lines are full, all lit up over here. You know any therapist, a high from therapist for a man to go here in upstate? For what? There's, there are different specialties, for, different issues. Um, let's say for OCD. Or let's say OCD and anxiety. I would again refer to Relief. Relief has got someone oh, at, at this time they have someone Ergaz and I know he's a wonderful nice guy and he's a special yeah, referral. They have a, he speaks Yiddish, a Chesidish Yingaman that right. does referrals especially for upstate for the Chesidish Oilam so he might be able to help you. I know that in Muncie they have um, I forgot the center over there where they have some very good therapists. I know someone that's in, uh, what's it called? In, Rockland, uh, in Muncie they have a place where they take all insurances. They have Rafia Helpline. Yes, I think it's Rafia, yes. And I think they have over there, I know one or two of the therapists over there, which actually travel in from Lakewood. A very good a very good person. I don't know if he specializes in OCD or not, but what I will tell you is that there's great therapists out there. Just go for help. Just start. Just start. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank right, you for thank your you question. So Rabbi Shalom should send Siata Deshmaya. And again, just to recap your question, I don't feel so comfortable with what the therapist said going once a month is enough, especially the way your daughter... Now the therapist oh. said that. The therapist wants once yes. a week. The one that's guiding us, he says, okay, if you're having problems, just go once a month. No, that guidance sounds terrible. That guidance sounds terrible. You listen to the therapist. That okay. guidance sounds terrible. Absolutely mm -hmm. not. That's the exact issue. In fact, what you do is you call up the therapist and you say, this is what she's doing. She's called splitting. She's trying to get us against you and to slow down. Then she's speaking to the person guiding. No, the therapist will tell you what's needed. The therapist will explain. Ask the therapist to explain themselves. We don't feel questioned or threatened. You're supposed to. It's your right. Ask the therapist, right. why do you still feel that you need once a week? Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. We are Bye -bye. going to Yehuda next. Yehuda, you're on the air with Mordechai. Thank you so much for your calling and holding so long. Yeah, hi, Mordechai. Yes, sir. 
good afternoon. Ah, fantastic afternoon by me, actually, Baruch Hashem. That's good. Um, I actually called in. First, I called in a few months ago. So I just want to start from there. I just want to tell you thank you. The question was then. You're welcome. Two, yes. que- two questions I asked then. And I really just want to ask you another question. But this is the first. I just want to tell you thank you for that. So the question was then that I was like... Um, I had two things. One was stage fright. Yes, that's what I thought. Without me for the Ahmed, I remember the question when I asked you, when you said, why is it only in one area you're discussing in camp? Was that your question? Why no, is it in camp? I actually did a Chabura. I did a Chabura on the 11th grade. Yes. And since then, I really got stage fright. Right, but, but you asked, wasn't your question, why is it that you could do it in camp, you can jump and just speak in front of everyone? But no, no, not... that was somebody else. I remember him. Oh, sorry, I thought it was your voice. Else. Okay, yeah. good. No, no, that was I thought... else. And then I asked also about I was not like I was not in the regular Teresa's arm say there in Yeshiva. I did like in the afternoons a little bit like different things. So I asked her, like how should I feel comfortable to be with like the law firm even though I'm not doing the Teresa's arm say there. Yes. What was the response to both? I'm curious. So, right. It was actually the response for um actually this one actually the response for stage fright was I don't know, I'm really sorry, I didn't really practice on stage fright one, but the other one really worked like amazing on me. Good. Let's hear the one that worked amazing. I like starting with amazing right. positives. Then let's yeah, hear the fine. amazing one. So the one that really worked was that you said that first speak to the Anhala and speak to your parents, get them to like feel feel masculine to the idea, and then once you feel that, then you're ready. I think the point was that I took out was once you feel once you have that, then you're ready to feel. Once bit. you feel you belong, that you have a place somewhere. Right, so it was actually funny, because then I actually, my parents did not know at that point what I was doing in the afternoon. So then I started, like, breaking out to my mom, like, whatever, I'm doing this in the afternoon, keep me busy. So once she felt comfortable about the whole idea, I felt a lot more confident about what I was doing. Now, by the way, let's recognize the words that we would use as guilt. Guilt and doubt within ourselves will erode our confidence, will, will erode our menucha sanefesh. And once we can face it, be open, be real, that's the problem with secrets. It eats us up. No one else sees it but us. And by you being able to do that was fantastic. Also, you felt freer. One of the steps that made you feel freer. Also, be responsible, be mature. It's amazing tools that you've done. Yes, sir. Yes, thank you. And then the other thing was stage fright. So you said I should practice actually in a small place. Yes. So I actually did do that. I did. I did. It was not like I didn't do it at all. Well, I'm still, like, you know, getting that little doubt over there going to big places. So, first, I just want to, for the crowd, Shibale, I want to just, like, say that I recently just was in a car with a therapist. For, like, two hours, I was speaking to this therapist. And, like, I was thinking about that I had a certain thing, like, one way. The therapist brought me to a totally different angle that it's, this is the real problem. What I'm saying is that I always, always had doubts about myself. Like, am I good? Am I not good? That type of situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, going to the beach. I don't always feeling very not good about myself. So I told them, I told the therapist, I think it's like self-esteem problem, no? So the therapist told me, I think it's a little bit, a little bit more, more than that. And we came up on mind was that when I was growing up, I never had that thing that Yehuda, you're doing a good job now, or Yehuda, this is not so good, but this is amazing. I never had that. Yeah. It was always like saying that 
taco, the taco you're doing, taco. Yep. I never had that. that, that yeah. Yep. The perfectionist. It's not really, it was not even perfectionist. That you have to be perfect. It's just that I never got like Yehuda. That's amazing. What you're doing. Okay. I so never got the compliments. My, you've never what, gotten the validation that you've done a good job. So I never knew. I never knew who's real me. Like, what am I good at? Yes. I never knew who am I. Who, what yes. am I good at? Beautiful. So that was. So that was like for the crowd that a therapist knows what they're doing. Okay. And, Fantastic. Okay. Okay, my real question is, I was actually speaking to your, your, what do you call it, your, your, uh, I just called the office today, your office today. Yeah. So I really have a question, but I'm not so comfortable to go on there with the question. So I'm just putting it down, only if it's possible, I'm just putting it down. I was speaking to your, um... Associate? Or the secretary or the person? Secretary, secretary. Yes. So I actually almost got an appointment. I mean, now I'm like on the way to get an appointment, but... It's not really that simple to get in, huh? <laughs> what? It's not that simple to get in, huh, my friend? No, but now I got to the, I got to the point that I'm able to get in. Almost. Almost. Yeah, the appointments aren't that available. Yeah. Right. So, anyway, so... Um, no, I have a quick question. I just feel... I don't think it's like... Okay, but what what, what question to, last to night I went to here. sleep at ten thirty with eight questions that I did not return. If I would return them, it would have been ten thirty. It would have been twelve thirty, one o'clock. I just can't return. It's not physically possible, humanly possible. No, Imp- right. no, I agree. Yeah, my friend, where so, there's a lot of space. What's your question, Huda? Let's go directly to your question, and we've got so many people waiting. All the lines are full. More or less, the question is, do you have like, anyone, I can't, I don't think it's, uh, I'm not going to repeat the question here. All right, if, so let's put this on you. Part of the reason why we can't take questions is very simple. My associate, Hanoi, when I had him train in, just told me I don't take callers, is we start a timing. It takes an average 18 minutes for the person to just say the question. If people would listen how long a question is over here, then to give a response takes an average of 12 to 15 minutes, which then says you basically need an appointment means it's about a half hour to 45 minutes just to hear why a person needs it. Your question, how long were you on the car ride with the therapist till you recognized, till you identified what the no, issue no, was? Question, right, right, no, that question is not a problem. That's no, I just want you to realize, whatever your question is going to be, that's why the point of this radio program is just to create right, awareness. I'm sorry, 100%. I like the radio. No, I'm, I'm not I'm sure what your question is. I hear you say you want to ask a question, but you can't do it on air, and wow, finish it off. Right, so no, no, so my question is if... Is it, do you have anyone else that basically I want like someone I can ask a question but I'd rather do like over ear basically another number whatever someone else that you work in them so I think if you check to, out in the newspapers it? they have these um, the hotlines I forgot what it's called they have advertised for masks or all these places where they have where a therapist is available you know I I don't think necessarily you can ever get a yes and no answer psychology is not a yes and no answer it's not a halacha no, not yes, no, 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 no. I want to know no, no, it's one of I, want, I want to know if you have any therapist that you could recommend that would be able to take a client over, over the phone to have a situation sure then ask Relief speak to Relief they're the referrals I love them for referrals they're fantastic that's and what you know like you know anyone should I take from there or just ask them then they'll they have, have anybody? They have three, or? four wonderful people. They have over there first Rabbi Babad, the guy that started it, the person that started. You have the Dovi Kessner. Rabbi David Kessner is a fantastic friend of mine. I know him so well. I even daven with him, so it's a nice little cheat over there. But I know him. Some amazing people. Just they, That's what they do all day. You have to realize they could get like a thousand calls a week and all they do is referral all day. Relief. That's the way to go, Yehuda. 
and he'll specify, I want a therapist that's available over the phone. Now, you might be learning out of town, and go ahead, just go for the help. Thank yeah, you, for okay, the fine. info, and for calling Hatzlacha. Avi, on line five, thank you for holding. Avi, yes, Mordechai, how are you? Shalom Aleichem, Mordechai. How you do, Hashem Kitov, really amazing. Well, I'll tell you how amazing it is. Thank I you. had a boy, I had a boy, I have a boy actually, but yeah. I lost him and I didn't lose him. That's a big, big dilemma in our house. We have four adult children. Now, when I say four adult children in the house, ages 28, 26, 24, and the youngest is 19. The youngest decided that he's going to backstep his father, and he decided to, to besmirch me on, you know, in the gas in the street that I don't want to marry him off. Yeah. Either because he sees a wall or for his Bishagas. Yes. The end result was that he cried and cried until he got to a couple of Rishonim, you know. Yeah. People that are Misaskim that uh, like to help, you know. Yeah. And finally, and finally, the camel, uh, the stroke that broke the camel, of course, is, and it's a long story to be short, of course. Uh, the vote was without the parents, without me, of course. Yeah. The tenoyim was without me. Yeah. And of course, I didn't sign for the time. That I didn't sign off on the time. So it means to say I'm not paying one dollar. Yes. And here is the situation. And to make the long story short, with me, what he did, there's no question about it. He dispersed me on the on the street, distracted. I mean, the boys, the girls in the, in in my house, they're terribly. I mean, it's mamish, mamish, mamish. I mean, chaval alazban. Yeah. And of course, we have Chalukadeus here, whether we should pursue with the Mechaton and we should ignore him, not ignore him, go to the Chasana, not go to the Chasana. Don't disconnect with your son, disconnect with him, this and that. Yeah. The, very, the, the problem is very simple, Mordechai. This boy is 19 years old. This boy is not schlecht. He's crunk. He's sick. Yes. He's a sick puppy. Yes. Because somebody that does this is not a righteous minded person. Okay. Okay. He came up with his. He came up with his. Uh, how do you call it? Remor. There's a remor. The remor. Yes. Says, the famous father, one. Mother, Allah, yes. Yes. I, I just did. Not, I think it's Reish Yeah. This was not even discussed because <laughs> I told all my shatchanim that Eimuk the Mocher. That as of last year, whoever you have. Good. Let my friend. Let's let's just make 19. sure we're not. Let's go to a question here, or if it's just a statement that people should be weary. No, what they do. That's a statement. That's a statement. Great. So obviously, we're looking here at the at the Nebuch, Nebuch, sick puppy, I mean, sick child. Yes. I wouldn't want to come puppy because he's my child. Yeah. It's a uh, saying. We're not calling him a dog. It's just a saying, a slang well, that we use in English. Unfortunately, that's correct. Yes. Unfortunately, this boy needs help because he my actually friend, gets lost. My friend, tell me when I can talk. <laughs> no, but I'm just, I want to give you, I want to give you the whole works. And then, of course, you're going to fill me in. Good. I could already so fill it, you in. Go ahead. All right. Right now, the focus is you and your wife only. Find a therapist, identify your component in the relationship and what you've done wrong, but just because you're a human being, there has to be something, certain dance and beat. And the muscle that I give is, if your son is dancing Hara and you're dancing along to Hara in that beat, I'm not going to dance this way. I'm going to dance instead of right to left. I'm going to dance from left to right. You're still dancing Hara beat. We want you learning how to play now to dance a simple waltz, waltz Easy, peaceful, like dinner music. Just peaceful as you're eating the soup with a playing. Mm -hmm. In every relationship that I've ever worked on, 
it is always two sides. It might be 95% wrong one and 5% wrong the other. But when that 5% is identified and having peacefulness and calm, because I hear the hurt, I feel the pain, no bracha can come if he's got the same hate or the same hurt and if you have the same hurt. The only way for that to change and shift is if one or both sides work on themselves. So it's not, should I go or shouldn't why, I go? Why, why would you want to equate me with this, with, with this misbehavior and misconduct? Oh, my friend. So what, 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 what a backstabber that he did. He did it to the whole family. Why would you want to equate me with him? So let me ask you as follows. Are you sure? First of all, notice the word equate. When I said someone's got 95% wrong and someone's got 5% wrong, is that equating both people? Am I but, putting... the equation, but the equation is that I have to go to a psychiatrist. I mean, that's not... Um, Wait, that's explain not to me, what, what does that mean going to a therapist? What does those words going to a therapist mean? Can we touch up those words, how you heard that? Yeah, yeah. What going I'm... to a therapist that something is wrong with me and not wrong with my child. That's, okay. that's obviously, that's... Excellent. So now let me clarify that again. What I am saying is to go to a therapist that has experience with family mediation, that has experience how to help you identify the 5% that you might be doing wrong, if it makes you better, the 1% that you're doing wrong. And when you learn how to identify the 1% that you're doing wrong and to change, to take responsibility for that 1%, mm -hmm. your son might not get better for many years, but you will have peacefulness and your interaction will be in a way that he will have to deal with others. And that is called real inner assertive working. So anyone mm -hmm. that deals with teens at risk, anyone that deals with, unfortunately, with parents or family members that are not healthy, Anyone, mm -hmm. and where you might be 99% innocent, those places. Now, but someone has a mother that is not normal, sees that, believes she is Mashiach's wife, mm -hmm. believes that right now it's in the middle of Shabbos and whoever is carrying and screaming in the street. But mm -hmm. when that child is angry and embarrassed, they will not be able to deal with their parents in the proper way because they're emotionally charged. You hear your emotions? When someone is that emotionally charged as you, unfortunately, you're not thinking clearly at this point. I'm not saying anything you've done is wrong, but what I am saying is you don't have the clarity of manucha. Okay, and well, that's, that's, my, that's my issue. Fine. That's all, that's all I'm talking about. My recommendation to you is to find a therapist, not that you're crazy, not that your son is innocent, to find your part. What I'm trying to explain to you, the concept of there's a dance of two people. And in order to change, that's what I do in therapy. When, we, when I have Shalom Bayez coming in, I'll share with you, most people hate my Shalom Bayez system, and I'll tell you why. Most mm -hmm. people love coming in, he's the problem, and she comes in and she, he comes in saying she's the problem. What I do he's is, the problem. Okay, go and ahead. what okay. I do is, both of you will be coming to me individual sessions, about 10 sessions each, only discussing your 5% that you're doing wrong. When mm -hmm. each one focuses mm -hmm. on their 5%, that's when you start seeing changes. If I'm trying to work mm -hmm. on both, we're not ready yet for both. What I am mm -hmm. saying is, your son... It's got 98% of the issue. Let's go, because I've never seen him, so let's just make that assumption. But if you have 2%, what I've seen is when I work with people on their 2%, the scenario changes. Doesn't mean your son will get better. Doesn't mean your son is healthy. Unfortunately, he might have to fall a lot more till he gets better. The Rabbi Shalom, trust me, is taking care of him and will give him difficulties as, unfortunately, as he gets older. But that's, but that's the problem. You see, that is the problem. What is the problem? Very simple, because I know my son. My son was not supposed to get married. Good. Hold on. So now we are now controlling Absolutely the Rabbeinu Shlomo? These guys, these guys did not do him any favor whatsoever. So now we are controlling the Rabbeinu Shlomo now? Not at all. 
Well, let the rebels I, know I the know show. The Your fact, son no. has made his bed. He found Mordechai, the Mordechai, there's no bed. There's, no, no, no. Mordechai, yeah. we, we, uh, being that you don't know my son, I know my son. My son, Nebuch, is in a predicament that he has a schwachkeit. How old is he your son? He can't 19 years. When are we going to let a 19-year-old be responsible for his choices and let the Rabbi Shalom give him natural consequences? He's not. He's not. Unfortunately, he's not because he, 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 he's being controlled by a different mind, by these... By these uh, so uh, let me ask you, you my, friend, my friend, we're, we're not going to get anywhere over here because you're looking at your son as a victim and I'm looking at your son as an adult. And the Rabbi Shalom is going to be teaching him, unfortunately, life and life again till he will stand on his own. We need to okay. let go. That's going to be your job now. Your job mm -hmm. is that's where your therapy chaylik, is going to come in, to let go, to love your son, to daven for him, send him love, but with the, with the way to let go of his process. Many mm -hmm. parents have that even with wealth, healthy children. When they see their children shalom by his problem, they have a daughter or a son that's not treating them as well. And the need is to let that spouse go through that educational process. That's what their Rebbein Shalom wants of them. I understand your fault, Mordechai, and I Certainly. will agree with you 150%. But being that I know about my son, unfortunately, he can't make any decisions. My son, he cannot make any decisions. When do he you think he will learn that? How did you learn to make decisions? Well, I'll tell you what, because I was never, I never gave, I never gave, you know, I, I never gave something to my father as he did to me. Let words, me ask I never you, did this how will father. he finally learn? I don't even want to discuss that. How will God. he? No, no, I'd like to discuss the it. This is the answer. How. You're hitting it. The answer is getting married, marrying someone, having a horrible marriage, if that is the yeah. case. Unfortunately, uh, many times wait, either going to show bias where then they have to work it out or then get divorced. And 13,000 miles away, when he has no mishpocha whatsoever, do, you, do, do I want this to happen 13,000 miles away? Will, do you know how many people nobody? built themselves up after the Holocaust 13,000 miles away and was able to do it without right, one single right, family? Right. You My wife has one you of the most greatest point. grandfathers. I love him, Mr. Mir. He's a tzaddik. The man has survived without parents, brothers, cousins. I think he had maybe one first cousin. The only thing that ever survived from the entire war, this grandfather, is a leader. He is the most amazing guy that I know around. My mm -hmm. wife's grandfather. I have a lot more faith in your son, and he left at 14 years old. His mother sent him out of town to try to beat the war. He was in the partisans and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of faith in your son. I have a lot more faith in your son <coughs> and the Rabbi Shalom in the process. That's where you're, now you hit your 2%. Your 2% so is, is you are eating yourself up every single Son, not talking to you when you're powerless to change. No, I don't want to talk to him. Are you kidding me? I don't I want to talk to but him. I am explaining. But look how you're eating yourself no. up. You don't look. You don't want to speak to him. You have no control to change Mordechai, it. Mordechai, do you have up. a son? Mordechai, do you have a son which kicked you and married Let me ask you. Do I have to? Do you? I have to be a yasim? Do I have to be dead? Do I have to chasram have a kid off the derech? Do I have to have a heart attack? Do I have to be every painful thing happened to me in order to help them? Does and a heart surgeon no. have to have a heart attack in order to be able to help someone? No. There are certain tools. The patient does have to have a problem. The patient does have to acknowledge I have a problem. Your issue, okay. my friend, in a very gentle way is you might be innocent. You might be a complete victim. Your son might be a complete okay. victim. But you're okay. still not taking the therapy. You are okay. one of those wonderful men that might turn out to be 80 years old complaining in the streets about how wrong the whole world is. What I'm offering you is to learn how to... Okay. Make peace.
Okay, that's Except number one. It. Let's take number step, one. Wait, wait, hold on before. Let's go step number two. Do you know how many people Nebuchadnezzar are out there in cancer wards or have other illnesses where the doctors give them the basura raw that it's terminal? There is no help with Fidar Chateva. Now, mm-hmm. they've got the greatest reasons to complain and to be angry, and some of them are. But many of them come to a peacefulness acceptance. There is a certain level of acceptance, and that is what I'm recommending that you go for therapy for. Not therapy, you're crazy. To learn, to appreciate today, because the pain that I hear going around will wound, will affect your marriage, will affect your relationship with your other kids. How much of your conversation during the day is evolving against attacking Askanim, attacking people about what's going on? 150%. How much? 150%. That's right. Now, how would you like if it would be maybe 5% of your month? Okay, I wouldn't mind. I how wouldn't mind. How would your Absolutely. life be? Describe to me your life when it will only be 5% my, of your my life. My life would be totally turned around. Would you be able to appreciate degrees. what Hashem has given you? Absolutely. Maybe you lost one son, Chas Vashom. I don't even want to call it that way because that's part of the therapy process. But could you appreciate then your three children that you do have? Mm-hmm. How well, much are right. you not appreciating in your day because of this one son and those Askanim that are ruining every second of your day? You're right. You're right 100%. No question about it. Okay, so now that we got that clear, now just before we go to the next, how ready are you now to finally find a therapist and do that? I'm ready for two issues here. I'm ready to go to a therapist for my case, okay? Yes. And I'm ready to, and I'm ready to find out who, which therapist can help my son tackle problems and that kind of stuff. Your son is not ready yet for therapy. You are. He, he is. He is. He is. I don't see him. I don't see him wanting to speak to him. I don't see him wanting to speak to you. They ask him to deal with him. They speak you to somebody, some other people, okay. and they say that he's never, never, never. He's lost. Good. So he needs. He needs real therapy too. Good. So I will tell you what. Call me up six months from now that you've gone for therapy. Only you, without your son going for therapy. I will guide you then, and chances are, very likely, if you take once a week now therapy, once a week therapy on your part, and you'll be able to enjoy the moment, enjoy the day, enjoy peacefulness pleasure this energy that you have will be turning to positive energy somehow i like to share with you a little gemara that i love and it's a masha mm-hmm. and it goes as follows the, the gemara says right and the gemara oh, says yeah. over there you have a raya from the gemara goes into each of those places where you have a raya to that mm-hmm. the masha explains as follows the masha asks why does it say the way a person wants to go they take him who's the they so he explains that with every thought out there we create a malach that will then or malachim that will then push us down that path when mm-hmm. we are angry, those malachim will push us down, continue the path of anger. And that's why the mm-hmm. biggest bracha out there when people are upset and angry is first to create space, calmness. And that takes mm-hmm. a couple of weeks. We don't answer. The point is not to give solutions. The point is first to create the space. My friend, if you will have six months of peacefulness, of positive energy, of sending out brachas to the whole entire world the way the world is now, I wonder where, what will happen to those malachim and how your matzah will change. All I can tell you is, in a reality for my clients, we've had in the last two weeks a huge amount of people that are just saying their life has changed, their marriage has changed, their kids have changed, their parents have changed just by themselves changing. It's amazing. So I'm telling you from a fact. You go six months for therapy. You, the, the word will never come up my son's issues. It's my issues in my son's, my part in my son's stuff. It might only be 2%, but you will see such a change from that 2%. It's just a metzias. I wish I could explain it. 
In fact, so I... again, so again, Mordechai, you don't believe in a son doing backstabbing on me and mopping the floor with me? I that, believe all that. that. I just, I believe all that. I just don't know what is in your. I am a believer in dealing with life as it comes. When mm-hmm. I have, when I have a client coming in, don't you believe that Nebuch, this person's got yena machla? I don't want to say it on me. He's got yena machla. Now that is the matziv. Now okay. life is all over, and I will show you people yena machla that have fought, that have created stuff. How many people have built their lives? Do I believe, like for an example, someone came into my office, do you not believe that I used to be worth several million dollars and now I'm broke, that life is over? I lost my friends, the family is all upset, everyone's depressed. Don't you believe it? The answer is, of course I believe it. But now what are you going to do about it? What's okay. in your power? Okay. The resilience okay. theory. I can go through the gedolim, which I don't like doing because somehow in this generation we're too weak to see that, that let's not do that, but the concept that people have picked themselves up. The Gedolim, okay. when we speak to them, they will share the difficulties, and they're huge because of their difficulties, and they've overcome it. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. I believe you have a Shvera Pekel. Chas V'Shalom, the Rebbein should never, ever test me with having a kid that's bad-mouthing me in the street, that's doing that. That's one of the greatest pains. You raise children, they're... they're they're a piece of me. Mm-hmm, when, mm-hmm. when parents hurt you, when people have shown bias problems, your whole life isn't worth it when you don't have happiness. Parents, mm-hmm. siblings, wife, children, the closer it is, this is yourself. Of course you don't mm-hmm. have peace. I'm not saying you're wrong or you're a problem. I'm saying the Rebbe gave you a peckle. What I'm saying mm-hmm. is there is a solution to the peckle. But okay. as long okay. as we continue the dance, it won't change. In fact, okay. more us gonna mean you're going to start fighting with people. How many times do you go to shul or to a kiddush and you have a guy just start blursting out? These are scum, they're horrible. Like, we just made someone made a statement and just move on. But that guy's whole day is ruined. The other person moved on. As long as you have that pain in you, it cannot change. The situation will just continue. Your son is in pain, you're in pain, and that cycle of negativity just continues. We need to break the cycle. We need the Nachshem Ben Aminodav. We need the Shimshna Gibber that's going to jump in first. That's going to be powerful to change. Are you that Shimshna Gibber to, ba- to break? Are you that Nachshem Ben Aminodav to go jump into the, into the Yamsuf and you're going to be the one go for six months of therapy once a week for your 2%. You will see how things change. Might not change with your son, but everywhere else it will and eventually it will have to change. Okay, the question is, uh, should I call relief? Would they have the answer for yes, me? Yes, they will. You can just tell them very clearly, this is what's going on, and ask for who's a therapist that will help you identify your little uh, component. The, okay, do you have release phone number by chance? I Mordecai. don't have it offhand, but you could just Google it. Just Google relief, they're right over there. Okay, that's number one. Number two. Uh, my um, friend, I'm, I'm going to just no, ask. No, no, just, no, 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 it's not a discussion here. Okay, let's just Would do it. I'm going to go. We've got so many I people. Get... I wanted to give you the airtime because I feel it's so important for so many okay. people, but yes. But do you have the number of Freddy, of Freddy the Shatchan? <laughs> I don't, but he's popular all the way out there. They just had him in the Mishpacha magazine with Rechnitz. What a great side of Oh, yeah, yeah, but there's no number there, so I can, you know. Um, I don't have it offhand. Of course I have his number. He's a very close friend of mine. Okay. Uh, but um, how do you get it? I don't know. I'm sure there's even, even an office number, an office number, uh, something. I, I don't need his cell number. Okay, um, there is a number. There's, he's very popular, and he's not staying anonymous. I mean, the, everyone calls okay. him for Shadokim. That's where Shadokim's meant to be out there. So, okay. Okay, very okay. good. Okay, I'll try to get. Thank you so much for the information. And My I, and pleasure. I really My pleasure. Aaron, can I just call. see the screen of who's the next caller? And thank you all for calling in, by the way, and holding so long. We've got so many people calling in and holding. So thank you. We're going to go to on line one to Brandy. Brandy? Hello? Or, Hello? Yes. What is Hi. your name? Hello, what? What is your name? Brindy. Brindy, yes, thank yeah, you. Hi. 
Um, I have an interesting question. It might be a little controversial, but... Uh, we'll see if we'll take I might have to then delete it from my phone line. <laughs> no, as not we've... amazingly, but um, I discussed it with you actually on the phone line. So let me ask you, I just want to make sure that's family appropriate. Yeah, um, okay. yeah, I think so. It could be a general topic also. Okay, so let's hear the general. So I'm talking about comfort zones. Okay. But, but, but many times, like, there are many people who, like, feel like, okay, we should look at women with different things in life. However, it's not their comfort zone. It's very hard to accept everybody. And, oh. Yeah. Sure. I, I, let's get into this. I love this. I can't. Let's get in. Go ahead. <laughs> give me the story. Yeah. So this is the challenge I'm dealing with. I'm comfortable with my challenge. But I feel like I'm so not accepted because of... Yes. By the way, I'm also very comfortable with my challenge. What? I'm also very comfortable with my challenges, even though people are not. People have called me very unique. When I started to become a therapist, do you know how many people told me, why are you doing that? They barely make a Parnassa and you're a man, you have to bring a Parnassa. Do you know how many people told me, oh, my wife's a therapist, my mother's a therapist. Basically, it was all women therapists out there saying, why? It's not a man's job. Come on, there's so much more to you. And I was even thinking about being a lawyer. I've even taken the LSATs and applying to law schools and all that. That is a man's job. Sure, we all have our limitations. Me being a therapist is accepting myself, my nature. I, I speak about my challenge to many people, but the pain that they can't accept that type of pain. Like What's for the pain? me, like Wait, I'm I, dealing, I know exactly what I'm doing. I know exactly, you know, what help ah, I need. And so your issue is that when people give you feedback, that they're making their assumptions, and they will tell you, "Oh, I feel so bad for you that you have this and that." Right? They just feel like your public information, and they can just give you their feedback. Is that the yeah. issue? Yeah. Oh, so let's do a little practice, and I'm going to try that on you. Okay. I'm, I'm even going to help you out to do that on me. Could you tell me, like, the comments, like, oh, Mordechai, you're just a social worker. You're not even a psychologist. Just do that. Oh, you're just a social worker, you know? You're not, you're not, you're not anything major. Wow. Thank you for the <laughs> feedback. Um, let's try something else. Mordechai, you're in it only for the money. You're in it only for the money. That's such interesting feedback. Thank you for that. It's very hard to say that. Cause I'm now I'm going to try that. You have such a big limitation. Why don't you change? Um, what should, I, should I say what I usually say? I usually don't answer that. I am looking for? I am looking for a certain response, a very specific certain response, Brindy. Go ahead. You have such a limitation. Why don't you try to take care of it? What are you talking about? I, I take care of it myself. Okay, let me try this response. I'd like your response. We thank you for the information. Is there anything else you'd like to say? Try that. Um, thank you for information. Is there anything else? Yeah, you have a nose. No one has noses out there. What are you doing with a nose? Oh, I use it. No. Thank oh, you for you the mean? information. Do not go into a discussion on a topic that you don't want. Thank you for the information is a, is a period. Oh, thank you for that comment. Yes. Excellent. Next step. Um, you know, you actually have two feet. You're walking. Oh, thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. Now I'm going to push you a step further. Now I'm going to push you a step further. But I'm telling it to you because I want you to change. I mean it for your benefit. Now try that to me. Why are you being a social worker? You should have been a lawyer. Go ahead. Tell oh, it to me. You should have been a lawyer. Well, you have so much more potential. Why aren't you a lawyer? Thank you for that feedback. Now I want you to push me like those people are going to do. Push me. Well, I'm telling you, you should have been a lawyer. It's, it's, That's, you make much more money. That really makes sense. Thank you for that feedback. 
push me even further. Push me further. So, like, why didn't you? So why aren't you going to law school? No, I want to see you really going. That really is you interesting. Get a job. You're you right. Get, you know, I You're know right. someone. <laughs> it's definitely something to consider. Now, do you want to talk about something else? Yeah, I want to talk about the public, like the pressure, the peer pressure in general. Wait, no, I'm sorry. I, that oh. was part of the response. Now I'm going to oh, try sorry, that on you. Sorry. Why are you accepting that limitation? I Why are to, you asking me? Yeah, I'm just not not as a therapist, as a, as a as a role play. So say it again, because I'm, I'm sure. Saying. Why are you accepting that limitation? Why aren't you? Why are you? Me why aren't, aren't I want to be now those annoying people that give you advice. You have a nose. Why do you still have a nose? Oh, because I do. Nope. Oh, oh, thank you. Do you notice? Yes, I'd like you to recognize that when you get into the trap, you're going to get stuck. The goal is for you to be in control. Now, I'd like to, so this role play being that it's gone, we'll do one more time, and then we're going to take more questions, but I just want to do this one more time. And for mm -hmm. those listening, I want you to realize why it's needed someone that has experience, because even if you tell a person what to do, but just doing the role play, look how difficult it is for Brian D to get, to get it right the first time. And you're not supposed to. That's why therapy many times takes several sessions till we practice it. So let's try this again, oh, Brian. I did go for therapy, and um, okay, I'm this. already at a, at a huge step. I'm already... Excellent. Yeah. Fantastic. But now let's go I ahead and take... I still have a global issue. Of let's the just take this like role play my, again. Uh... Let's take this role play again. Brindy, why do you have a nose? Um, what am I supposed to say? Thank you for the feedback. Oh, thank you for the feedback. But, but I'm not just meaning to give you feedback. I mean to give you feedback for you to change. No one has noses. Why do you have a nose? Well, thank you. That's... that's... Don't thank me. I don't mean to thank you. I don't mean to get thank you. I mean to tell you, get rid of the nose. I don't know what to say. Just respond. Again, thank you for the feedback. Is oh, there anything else you want to talk about? Can we talk about another subject now? Can we change the subject? No, I only want to oh. talk about your nose. And then your response is, okay, thank you. Have a nice day. I, I need to go now. I am going now. Uh-huh. Now do that again. Brian, do you have a nose? Thank you for your feedback. Um, but you know, I'm really saying it. People don't have noses. You got to do something about that nose. Thank you for your feedback. Uh, what are you talking to me like a puppet? Thank you for your feedback. I'm telling you, get rid of the nose. I gotta go now. I'll see you later. Oh, you're just leaving? And now walk I, away. I, I haven't. Um, I gotta go. You walk away. Hatzlocha. You just go. You don't even answer. Yeah. Now, part of what we're missing in this generation is how to deal with challenging and annoying people that we're stuck, that when someone asks, asks us, we feel we have to answer. And we need to learn that there are different levels of protection that we need to have. So if someone tells you, if let's say you have $1,000 in your bank account, give me all $1,000, would you give it right away? No. And that's the same thing. When they ask you a question, there's supposed to be volts. Of our brain, certain information is public, certain information is for family, certain information is just for immediate spouses and children, and certain information is just for you yourself. Mm -hmm. So why aren't people like asking it? To oh, they're it? allowed to ask. The question is to you, why do you feel the need to answer? Do you know that there are people out there that don't want Eden to be alive? So are we just going to take our lives because they don't want it? Or are we going to say they got issues? Uh -huh. We're, we, we have a right to be, and they have a right to try whatever they want. We have a right to protect ourselves, who to hang around. What I'm finding this generation is we are missing the tools of just basic protection. We're feeling trapped that we don't, have, we don't have the power to say no, and therefore we're upset at them for asking questions. The we're real upset, issue we're that upset we at need, ourselves that we can't even say no. Ah, that's, that's the belief that people have been stuck in codependence, believe. No, we're allowed to say no. <laughs> 
and we're we're supposed to say no. And the Rabbanish Lalim even tells us this again going to the to the Aseris Adibris. When it says and then we have over there about Shabbos, it says right after. And Rashi explains us, which brings on the Gemara, that we need to realize that the parents and us need to listen to Rabbi Shalom, that if a parent tells you to be Mechal Shabbos, they're not allowed to listen, even though there's a mitzvah kibbut of aim. Simply because we need to know. So the Torah is very clear about us being existing and us having ourselves. Right. It's we that we haven't been able to do that. And then we blame the world. So my recommendation to you is in your therapy to continue the therapy and to continue working on assertiveness, self-esteem, individuality. I'd like to share with you three programs, if you have time, to listen to on my phone line that's specifically made for that. Which one? Can I listen number to a one lot of is them? <laughs> number 30 in the English section, section one. It's number 39, The Beauty of Saying No. The second one that I'd recommend is a very, very important one, is number 53, Know Your Rights. Knowing your rights is knowing your rights and telling you how to deal with that. Right. And that's extremely important for you to know your rights, to be able to be assertive. So I'm dealing dealing with family situations that that, that, makes it much more difficult. Of course, and that's why you need to know your rights. You got it. Right, no, but I have, like, in my life, I'm always, like, on edge, like, what I need to say. Randy, I heard so much (laughs) more than you think you said. (laughs) Trust me, I've heard that this is already two, three generations going on in your family. Yeah, heard, I mean, I'm starting to change. <laughs> uh, yes, but realize, I call this I call this Yerusha energy. Yerusha energy means if, let's yeah. say, you're 20, and your mother or father is, let's say, 50, so it's 70 years going on, and your grandmother or grandfather's got the issue from whichever side, and they're 80. So I'm saying you're changing now 120 years of energies going on, of programs going on. Do you think you'll change it in just seven yeah. sessions? So no, recognize but... you're changing. It'll take time. It'll take work. And just give yourself patience. <laughs> Thank you, Brian D., for calling in. A fantastic question and very, very, very appropriate. We are going to Chani. Chani, you're on the air with Mordechai on line two. For those of you listening in now, it's your host, Mordechai Weimager, LCSW, licensed clinical social worker. If you would like to ask your question, you can call into 718 683 5858. 718. Six eight three five eight five eight. Hani, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hi. Before I pose my question, I just so, feel an obligation to say thank you for your line. I oh, gained a lot of insight. Thank you so much. Uh, my question is about a very serious, deep-thinking child who has a very difficult time falling asleep, but they do not seem to exhibit any form of anxiety. How old is that child? So I know it's a young child, but Let I didn't think it was a parenting question. It's a five-and-a-half-year-old child. Okay, well, we're not going to take it in the parenting question area. We're going to do it differently. I'd like the that, way... That's why I figured it's more like a exactly. general question. It's not parenting. Thank you. Exactly. Can I just, like, tell you what my question is? Certainly. My question is, is there an emotional component to it? Of course. Or is this a physical difficulty that a person has? I would not jump to a physical difficulty right now. What I would jump is first, if you said the kid is a deep thinker, it reminds me of several people I know that are deep thinkers, and it is a bracha to have that. We just need to learn how to use that talent. And what that means is either at bedtime or in bed or the before bed, you just want to spend five minutes with this kid and just tell me, tell me all the thoughts that you're thinking about. Okay, so I'm doing that already for a long time. And what else? So why is the kid not sleeping? Um, I'm really not sure. She just cannot fall asleep. Ask her why not. Speak to when she's in so, bed. What is she thinking about? Mm-hmm. So I was trying to get something out of her. I, I, you know, no, go just what time are her every thoughts? night. What is she thinking? So she's not, she's not telling me anything. She just, she just cannot fall asleep. 
Uh, how many hours? Are you putting her to sleep at the appropriate time for her age? I think so. Okay. Like 7.30, 8 o'clock. That's maybe even too late. No, no, that sounds decent. But she falls asleep at 11. Um, where my brain is now ticking different questions, different thoughts. What time does she wake up? At 6. Oh, wow. Yeah, the kid must be really exhausted. No, 11 hours is... She'll sleep at 11 and she wakes up at 6 or 7 hours. Um, I have one other That's thought. That's why my question is, is this a physical difficulty? Like, it might you know, some be, people don't, jump can't there. sleep I long. It might be. I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure. There's one other thing that I might pick is just to try a little bit play therapy, which is you give her some tools, some some of the dolls, and tell her, what are things that you think about? Show me which piece. What do you think about? And that's what we do. So see if you can get her to communicate that. If you if she can do that, like did something happen in the day in school? Did something happen in the house? Even tell me a positive thing. Something you might be able to do with the toys. Ask her to tell me what would help a, a dolly fall asleep. Does dolly go to sleep right away? Sometimes they might just need help closing their eyes. Sometimes kids won't close their eyes. So they just close your eyes. Keep your eyes closed and you look, make them close their eyes. Sometimes they fight sleep. Mm-hmm. It might just be simple tools. I'm not sure. This has got me a little bit stumped. My question is if I need to look deeper into, like, is you, there an emotional dark no, secret there? No, no, Emotional darknesses by children that age is usually, um, it is demonstrated by physical behavior most of the time. That's what I'm saying. The child is really content and happy. That's right. That's why I'm not hearing that. I'm not hearing you tell me she's stressed. I'm not hearing you say she's crying at night where you might no. be concerned something's happening at night or something happened at night. I'm not hearing any of those warning signs to have me concerned about that. It's, there are kids that don't just need less sleep, but seven so hours sleep. So if we sleep, come to the conclusion that she just needs less sleep, it, is it safe to just let things go? Just I would still run her by bedtime. a doctor first because this is now a physical thing, and I would, I would definitely consider that. I would definitely consider that as one of the options, but still speak to a doctor if it's okay for a five-year-old to go to sleep at 11 and wake up at 6. I would want a doctor's okay, physical doctor. Okay. I just wanted to hear if there's anything in the emotional end that I need to look Not into. Not that I hear that much. No, it's just a little bit surprising that a kid five should be up till 11. It's too much. If you tell me 10, 9, 30, 11 every night is a bit late. It is, I know. That's why, that's why I'm thinking it has some emotional right. components. I just, I just can't give an answer. I would tell you then maybe first speak to the doctor, see what the doctor says. Okay. Thank you very much. You're for your very time. welcome. And thank you for holding. Bella, Bela, we are going to you on line five. You're on the oath, Mordechai. Hello? I'm sorry, I'm, I, we went to... Yeah, Bela, on line five, you're on. Hi, I want to thank you, first of all, again, for your amazing um, line, the phone line, all of it. We love it, the Yiddish, the English, everything. Yes. Um, I have, like, two or three short technical... Actually, the third one is maybe not so technical. First one, um, last week you mentioned something about something amazing that I told my boys that the Chavz Chaim had a hard time. Yes. I was wondering where I can look it up or, like, show it to the kids. Do you remember where um, I, I don't have it offhand now, but I'm sure. It was the one safer's told us Chai of the Chavz Chaim, and I know that is for sure over there. I don't remember which letter, but you're going to see it over there. And the other one, um, what I might recommend, I'm just thinking if I should give you the office number... I'll tell you, there's a bit of a... I can se- get it on the 298 um, thing. On the t- Yes, I'm just thinking which program I have it on where I say it over there. Where I say it. 
Um, do you know what? Listen to it at the recording on my phone line. Yeah, but I, I, that's where I heard I it. I said but in the car. I, I say which safer. I say specifically the safer there, so everyone could look it up. Listen to uh, it again on my phone line. There's the recording of over here on JRoot. You can download it from jrootradio.com. It was last week, right? Two weeks ago. Yeah, I didn't have last week. was Tish above. I wasn't. Oh, uh, two um, weeks ago. Yeah, last So it was time, two weeks yeah. ago. So that program, my number is 298-2011, and you'll hear it over mm-hmm. there on the program. Uh, I, yes. I thought I heard it, but I didn't remember you said yes, where I was. Yes, I said but over there. Toldus um, Chayev of the, uh, from the, yeah, it's called Toldus Chayev. I just don't remember which ice, which letter it was, but you'll find it in the safe. Toldus Chayev of the Chafetz Chaim. Okay. Um, the other thing, I wanted to ask you, would you know where there's any reference in Chazal to the subconscious mind? So what, there are what? two, three, a lot of them, especially in a lot of the Chassidish Farm have that down, but in a lot of Reb Chaim Vital, huge, fully about that, there are several svarim where they go into tefillin, is going into why in the tefillin that we have four batim in the tefillin, and each one's going into a different level, a, di- di- a different depth of the mind. There's a lot of that, but open subconscious, you have, um, someone just told me, uh, just yesterday I spoke to a rav, that the earliest thing that you have of the subconscious was when Mesmer was a, a type of person that almost made hypnosis popular in France, I'm pretty sure it was in France, where he mm-hmm. like hypnotized like three, four hundred people at a time. And that's why ther- hypnosis originally was called mesmerism because you're able to mesmer did that. And there are Shailas Nalach if you can do it because he also did magnetism. He called it animal magnetism. So I don't remember which safer brought it down for the first time. Is it kosher? Is it not kosher? Is it uh-huh. all that stuff? But the concept is all over. Whenever someone talks about the inner, the deepest dark, the, the deepest parts, there's a lot of it, but it's not called subconscious because it wasn't referenced as in therapy. There's a lot of sperm that bring down, I don't want to go into, but bring down, a, in order to get to the deepest levels of Navua, mm-hmm. you had to go into the subconscious. You had to be able to block that out. And they would bring down stories of Tanoim that, let's say, Rabbi Yehuda would like daven for 30 days straight. And a lot of them, unfortunately, explain that is going into the subconscious. When you're in it, you slow down your heart rate, your breathing, your mamish can, whatever it's, is a reference. It's just not called subconscious openly. Uh-huh. I hear. Can I ask one more? Go ahead, because your questions were short compared to okay. all the other ones. Yes. Okay. Um, I listened to your program on self-esteem, the first, uh, I yes. think it's the first one. Yes. Um, I would love to have it in Yiddish, but this is not my question. I think the first well, we one have you don't, it in you don't have Let me it in Yiddish. I have over here uh, the chart, and I can tell you where self-esteem, which number it's in Yiddish. In uh, number in the Yiddish one, it's number five. The only oh, the first great. six, it's confused. The first six, the numbers aren't on the same level. Oh. But after that, it's it's number in the Yiddish. It's a number section of section four on my phone line yeah. number five. So number I have each five. of these programs translated into Yiddish. Yes. They're great. They're great. The question that I have is it's funny because it's not for me. It's only when I talk to people. People always ask me whenever we talk about my students and some people. When we talk about self-esteem, they're always afraid that if we try to give the children too much self-worth, they'll become Balgaiva. How do I explain this to a person that it doesn't happen? Why doesn't it happen? I mean, I know why it doesn't happen, but why doesn't it happen? Like, people always worry. So let me explain to you the concept. Those people that ask the question, the question is the answer itself. means I don't understand how you can equate self-esteem and Balgaiva. It's almost like saying that if you're going to learn Hilcha Shabbos, you're going to do Shabbos every day of the week. Okay. What does one have to do with the other? Self-esteem means I know who I am, I feel good about who I am, and the ultimate level of self-esteem is being to the ultimate level, which is Moshe Rabbeinu, 
he was the closest Novi and he was Onav Mikol Adam. So it means the stronger self-esteem you have, the more humble you are, the less you'll be a Balgaiva. To me, self-esteem and Balgaiva are two opposites. Is people, there like a logical way of explaining? I don't I know. I sure, know it's just very simple. It, I mean, like, the I, logical way of explaining is Gaiva is saying everything is about me. Mm-hmm. And, well, first of all, about, the bigger the Balgaiva, the less self-esteem they have. Right, right. It's so, so hard I, to explain that. Let's, people let's understand, we're not here to... Most of the people that you're going to find that are asking that, unfortunately, aren't asking for an answer. They're usually my students, and when we discuss it, they're afraid that if they think too much of themselves, they'll be Balgaiva. So if know. you'd like, I have the program on self-esteem where we have all those Makairis, where we bring down the opposite. Mm-hmm. We have Reb Tzodek Akoyen, where Reb Tzodek brings down in his Sefer, that Keshem, just the way, just like a person, has to be mamen in the Rabbeinu Shalom, kach, mamish acha kach, chayev la... Got the exact lotion, but he says right mm-hmm. after that you have to. I don't know if it was. I don't remember the exact lotion, but you have to believe in yourself. Mm-hmm. If you're talking about the Chassidish crowd, the Kedushas Levi, which is the Heiliger Baditchevus, says in Pashas Akev that if a person goes around saying, "Eh, what's my mitzvahs?" he says this guy is mamish and apikaris. Says it straight out. That's called someone without a self-esteem. He says a person has to go around believing that the Rebbeinu Shlom has Hanoah and waiting for every one of my mitzvahs. Does that sound mm-hmm. like a Balgaiva saying the Rabbanishlam is waiting for every one of my mitzvahs? If that's a Balgaiva, then we need to separate the, the answer. Mm-hmm. So before someone asks you, are they afraid they'll become, if they'll build a self-esteem, they'll become a Balgaiva? I think the first have to touch the two. Explain what are the two. Mm-hmm. Self-esteem is someone that sees I have a self-worth and everything that I have comes from Hashem and Hashem has given me a mission to maximize myself and therefore I need to grow every day. Balgaiva is saying, I have everything. I am the Rabbi Nishalaylam. I have full power. I am not machnia to the Rabbi Nishalaylam. I don't care about anyone. I don't want to hear anyone's advice. It's all about me. Now, do these two, do these two people sound the same? I hear you. So, the way to explain it is just, just taich. Simple. What is Balgaiva? Let's define taich of Balgaiva. Balgaiva is someone that everything is me. There is no one else above me. And Chayvah Savavas mm-hmm. brings it down that a Balgaiva is talking about Yeravim ben Nevat. The Rabbi Shalom tells him, Do tshuva, Chazarbach, do tshuva. Me, you, and David will letail we'll, We're going to walk together in Gan Eden. And you know what? Yeravim asked the Rabbi Shalom, Imagine one of the greatest Rosham in Klai history. And the Rabbi Shalom tells him, I'm still giving you time to do tshuva. And that's for everyone listening. We feel we've done a Naveir and the Rabbi Shalom can't stand us. Understand. He created a Vaidazara that lasted for hundreds of years in Klai Yisrael. And the Rabbanan tells him to tshuva. And you know what his question was? Me Baraish. Who's going to go first? Me or David HaMelech? Well, we're going to walk with you, Rabbanan Shalaylam. So the Chavaz Avavah says, look how bad Gaiva is that it refuses to let a person do tshuva even when the Rabbanan Shalaylam is telling you. Is that self-esteem? Imagine the Rabbanan Shalaylam goes talking to you and you have a healthy self-esteem. A self-esteem will go, Rabbanan Shalaylam, you're talking to me. I'm thrilled. I'm, I'm waiting for this all my life. That's a self-esteem. Wow. That's a self-esteem. Okay, uh, thank uh, you uh, very low much. low self-esteem will say, nah, it's not the Rabbi Nishlein. It must have been someone else because I don't deserve the Rabbi Nishlein to talk to me. And the Rabbi Nishlein is telling me to do tshuva. He doesn't mean me. For sure not me, so it can't be me, so I'm going to continue doing my averis. That's a low self-esteem. Okay. That's someone that feels like a failure. A healthy self-esteem is, wow, I can still do tshuva. You still believe in me? Oh, great, I believe in myself as well. Let me change. So I don't know how people equate gaiva and self-esteem. I hear that a lot as well. And my mm-hmm. solution is just explaining. This is about gaiva, this is self-esteem. Now, do you think they're still the same? Okay, very good. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. Very clear. Excellent. My pleasure. We are going to Gitti. Gitti, you're on the air with Mordechai.
Yeah. Hi. Um, thank you so much. I My pleasure and honor. Yeah, I have the courage to call you. I've, I have a, a question of something you said almost a year ago. Thank you. Um, Let me first I, I validate your courage. Wish, it takes a I lot to call in. I'd just like to stop a moment, and I'd like to thank each and every caller. I know that I would have probably had a very difficult time calling in, knowing that it's heard. So many people listening, thousands of people, it's all over. And for each and every person, people take it for granted that people call in. I'd like for everyone listening to realize this is real questions, real people, and the courage that it is. And we are breaking stigma with every caller, with every fear, with every success story, with every change is breaking stigma. And thank you, Rabbi Shalom, for letting me be a part of that shliach to be able to help this happen. So I'd like to thank you for your bravery and for creating the awareness for people to realize what it is that you're doing. So thank you for that. Okay, get um, back to you. Okay, my question, um, what the, I'm first going to repeat what you said. Um, you were talking about um, if someone's having a problem in a few areas, the same problem in a few areas, maybe it's not the problem in the different areas, maybe it's a problem with them. You were given an example about a kid who doesn't get along with his classmates in one school, and then you switch him to a new school, and again, he's not getting along. Maybe it's not the classmates, maybe That's it's right. the kid who's having the problem. So I'm wondering if that is really true. I'm uh, hoping you will. I'd um, like to share like, with you two Ma'amore ma Chazal about that. Okay. Number one is a Gemara in Erevin, it's, or Erechem. I'm not sure because I just saw it inside my little... Uh, and it goes, Kol de Pasel, B'mumay Whoever sees a fault in someone else, it's their own fault that they're seeing. Okay. It's in Kedushan. All right, so it's in Kedushan. <laughs> what that means is that if I have five mistakes in me, if I'm angry, take that, take that wonderful person that we had earlier on the phone line with the Askanim hurt him and his family, where uh -huh. his son is not there. Every time he's going to hear the word Askan, he's going to be attacking Askanim. Chances are. As he said, 150% of his minute of his day is absorbed with that. And anything that will happen wrong in the world, he's going to be yelling. Now, he's going to be yelling about his pain when he's going to be yelling for someone else, not yelling about him. So when he's going to hear someone else was hurt, he's going to be yelling from his pain. Our pain that we feel still on the inside is what we are going to be projecting all over. Right. And another one is, another one is, Ein hadavr t'huluya elubi. And that's another ma'amare chazal in the Gemara. That if everything that happens to change is dependent on me, not on the other person. And that is how we get out of every problem. When we recognize, work on our 2%. So now your question is, is it true that if I change or if something happens to me in one yeshiva, then in the second yeshiva, then in the third yeshiva, that it's me? Very, very likely. To say it's a 1,000% real, I can't say a 1,000%, but to say it's a 90%, yes. Mm -hmm. But let's say it's not the same issue. Yeah, like it's not well, an it's anger. A or it's not a... Let's go to the real question. What's going on in your okay. life where it's happening over no, I, and over? I just, I, I, let's not I talk have theory. who are not easy people. Say They're that again, you have? In-laws. Yes. Who are extremely, extremely demanding. Yes. Um, they think they aren't, obviously. Of but course it, not. It, um, it's really, really, really terrible. Now, let's stop a and second. Hold on. Before we take your part of it now, let's take your in-laws. Since they don't see it, 
But if I, they would be asking this question, I would ask them, do you have issues with every one of your kids? Let's say they have 10 kids. Do you have issues with 10 of your kids? No, one of them, it's my son is good, it's my daughter-in-law. The other one, it's my daughter, that's the problem. The other one, it's my son. But the other one, it's my son and right. daughter-in-law are with me. It's their parents, my mechatonim, they aren't letting. We want to show 100%. them. So now let me ask you, your in-laws, how, what, what percentage of daughter-in-laws or son-in-laws or children do they have issues with? Oh. Okay, now oh. let's stop a second. Now, if that your parents were calling me up, I'm innocent, but I have issues with all my kids. What would we say is the issue? Obviously them. Excellent. So do you realize, just from that example, how they're not aware yet that they are the issue, but in reality, the Rebbein Shalom has a wonderful way of having it mirrored to us, reflected. Whatever is our issue, will he will send it back in our face as strong as possible for us to realize and to wake up. True, true, but now, that's not my question. Go, right? I know that. I just wanted my, to identify, okay. help you clarify where you ask, does it happen all over? Look at your okay. in-laws. It's 100% accurate in that case. Right, okay. Okay, that that I understand, but th- see, that's what I always thought until, like, for the past, I would say, five, six, eight years maybe, my parents are much, much older. I mean, I'm already middle-aged, and my I am number seven in the family, and my parents are also becoming more and more more difficult. Yes. So that's what made me start thinking, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm overly sensitive when, you know... Now, I got a secret to tell you. It is you, and you, you are overly sensitive, because it's normal for this to happen to your parents, and it's normal to be tough, to be hard on you. I know in Borough Park, I don't know Williamsburg, but I know there are now starting to be groups being formed. I heard in the Y that there's a group for... It's a closed group, but I'm saying for parents for like middle-aged women your age that their parents are going through medical conditions medical issues their parents needing to move into their children's house continuously going to doctors unfortunately running to hospitals nursing homes medical care that's needed and is very stressful plus juggling your married children plus juggling your younger kids that are in the house plus juggling now grandchildren your age is going through major stresses and it needs to be acknowledged I feel very few people are talking about that, and I feel support groups are needed at least once a month just to start. No, I, I maybe I I push myself a little too old. Now, I'm not middle-aged. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm more in my 30s. Okay, that's very okay. far from middle-aged. Middle-aged, yeah, I feel no, today, is in the 60s. Right. My parents are not today, that old. Today, the 60-year-olds um, are so young. Right. 60-year-olds are very young, very healthy, yeah. very robust, very alive. But they've right, got so they much. to the same I guess that I'm living in okay. and they're just my mother now doesn't have a job because they just moved so she'll make comments about the school that I teach in and I know they aren't true and I know that she's saying it because of her own How issues. young is your mother? 65. Good. Now how many years have your mother been making negative comments just because she was busy with other stuff it wasn't projected to you? Right, all, all my years. That's right. Now, can I ask you, do you see how the Rabbi has is teaching you assertiveness? You have a mother that has been done for many years giving a lot of negative comments only to marry you off to in-laws that do the same thing? And if you don't right. learn that's to master your in-laws, now it's being bad. That's something being, with me. I mean, it is. Sides, it is. There is a level, and that's called codependence. That's where the assertiveness comes in, where you have the weakness within you, where you need to learn to be stronger. And again, here's where a competent halachic experience in this area rabbi needs to be contacted 
What is halakhically permissible? How often do you speak to your mother? Uh, and maybe a therapist or someone for guidance will be able to teach you how to steer the conversations to positive. There's a lot of tools out there how to deal with it. When a mother will make you know, certain comments, but you, again, you need the rub to explain it to you. Could you sometimes go, oh yeah, I just feel so hurt, ma. Did you just say uh-huh. that I'm a terrible person? No, I didn't. Did you just say Chaim is better than me? But you, no, I didn't. Sometimes I have, you, right, I'm trying that, but... Uh, no, don't it's try it. Like it's so complicated. Understand you were raised in this and you've married into it. Uh-huh. Uh, you're trying to now teach yourself how to bake a, a five-tiered cake when you've never baken before. With whatever tools you've baken were the tools you were taught in the past. You want to help one of the most hardest issues is family, parents, in-laws, without any of the tools, only what you were taught from people that are within the, the system. So you I got, need help. You need a <laughs> lot of help. Not a lot of help as if you're a problem. It's complicated. Right. It's very Keep complicated. Whatever you do will be wrong. You will get right. more assertive you will be wrong. You stay that way, it will be wrong. Those negative comments hurt you. We've had Yehuda just say how his parents didn't knock him. They just didn't say how great you are. They didn't compliment him that you're good. I heard so much more in his question, Yehuda, if you're listening to the recording of this. Later on, or listening now live, there's so much more to just not getting a compliment. Compliments is just the tip of the iceberg. We can tell you 50 times how great you are. I heard a lot of other stuff, but we're not here to go into that now. But to go to you, so much that you're missing compliments, told you're allowed to have your own opinion, taught how to have a positive, healthy conversation, taught that when there's negativity been at you, not to take it, how to just veer away. How to have healthy friends that are just positive. Not where each of you are sharing to build the other one up because each of you are so wounded. Do you know that uh-huh. I've got clients, when they start getting more assertive and healthy, they go, you know, one of my problems, I'm not happy about therapy is I can't connect now to my old friends. We used to talk about problems all day and how healthy we are, but we're still in that level talking about it. We weren't talking about just positive stuff. We weren't talking about building and creativity. There's a lot uh-huh. that's needed. So, Gitti, yes, it is you now, and it is your issue, and it will be mirrored, not that you've created your in-laws that way and not that you've created your mother that way, but your tool of how to deal with it is continuing the process. Okay. I I had my husband listen to your recordings. I just want to, like, say it to be clear so he can hear it clearly. Um, So what I need help in is to get tools of how to deal with them. Not that it's an Isn't issue it that interesting if I change how you've, or become yes, better. No, let's okay. clarify. Actually, like I, my I, brothers are telling me, just you know, let it wash over you. It, that's not you how will it's learn gonna... how to do that. Let me clarify. Absolutely not. It's not your in-laws' issue, and it's not your mother's issue. It is your issue. You. Okay. I want to clarify that very clearly. I'm glad you repeated that. Your mother is a, has is has a right to be negative. Your in-laws have a right to be have a right to be negative. It's your issue that you can't let it ride over. It is your issue. Now, in order for okay. that to learn to ride over, you're going to learn the tools, how to speak to them when it's appropriate. You're going to learn how to, what's halakhically permissible, what to say, what not to say. But how can we tell you to ride it over? It's like asking someone, I'm giving you permission to shoot me. You're going to, right now, you're weak because you were raised in that and you married into that. You were never given the tools how to have a protection when someone shoots you that either it shouldn't get in. You weren't taught how to walk away at times. Even when you leave your mother or your in-laws, you're still thinking about it. The guilt going, I'm so happy I'm not with them. Your brain has never been taught how to take a break. This is your issue. They have a right to be negative. You have a right to say no. You have a right at times. You have to speak to the Rav. 
How not to? And I'll say this again. I had someone to call up his Rebbe and say, do I have a right not to speak to the mother? Every time I speak to her, she's the most negative person out there. And the Rav said, absolutely not. For this guy, you will call your mother, but call her three minutes before this man. Sure enough, the mother on the first says, oh, you call me three minutes before Lechten? So this way before candlelighting? This way I can't speak to you? Says, mommy, have a good Shabbos and bye. That's all he has to do. But he has to. You need a Rav to help you out. But that's it. You need someone to go into your situation. You need guidance. It is your issue. They're not healthy. We know that. But what are you going to do? What are your rights? And that's where you're completely codependent. You're completely trapped in that. Eventually, you will be able to speak to them. It'll just wash over you, but maybe you can only do it once a month. Fine. But it is your issue. Yes, you need the help. Okay, thank you. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Hatzlochen, I'm sorry I can't give you this simple answer. Sarah, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hi, how are you? Baruch Hashem, fantastic. Okay, great. Um, it's a little bit of a complicated question. I'm trying to get the story across. I'm just, you're just not coming out that clear. Can you just speak up a little? Yeah, now do you hear me? Yes. Okay, so I'll try to get this story across as fast as I can. Um, it all started like not that long ago with another friend. Um, Again, I didn't hear it all started. It started with a friend. Yes. Um, it's basically that it's gotten really complicated because she has different friends than I have. And then it got really sticky. We were best friends always. And now we both finish high school and we're both going to different seminaries. And um, the question just is how we should keep up a close friendship and not like got to like a point where like, I say like she would insult me or I'll insult her by mistake. And like, just because we were so close to anything we said was like very sensitive and, um, I don't so understand how one has got to do with the other. Well, let's let's just clarify. You have a friendship, very close, best friends, and then you've gone to different seminaries. And where does hurting each other come in here? Explain that to me. Wait, sorry, what? Where does hurting each other come in? No, it's just that, like, since since we both had different other friends as well, like, okay, so that we were very sensitive because we were very close friends. So everything was very sensitive. I don't understand what the word sensitive because you define what the word sensitive means. I'm just not getting yeah, your I'm question. Keeping everything very personally. So you had a friendship, you had a best friend, and for like 15 years, you took everything personal. No, no, no. Like, I, because, um, let's say we were, I was having my friend, she was having her friend. So like, since we were very close, anything that like I would say, anything she would say, we would both take very personally. Can you explain that to me? Uh, explain to me the logic. I'm just not getting how one plus one equals two. I hear one plus one okay. is equaling three. I'm feeling missing a piece. Just because you have friends and she has friends, how does that make now the relationship take everything personal? No, the relationship was strained, obviously. What was strained? Um, the fact that she had her friends, I had my friends. Ah, so now let's like, get it straight. So yeah. the friendship, being that you've gone to different seminaries and each of you are making friends, now one or both of you, this is not my question to you, which of you feel, a, feel threatened or feel strained that the other one has friends? Oh, both. Oh, so both of you have an issue that the other one has best friends, has now other best friends. No, not that we have an issue with each other. Sure, it's that's that what you have, have issues. That we have best friends. That, that um, you know, anything, I guess it's, yeah, I guess it's really that because. Yeah, so you have I'd issues say, like, that each of you, it's more disconnecting that each of you are starting to build other bridges. Right. Yes, so now, okay. So let's just start over the question and just phrasing it this way. So you have best friends that you were together all the years, and now that you've gone to different seminaries, each of you are starting to make other best friends, and now your relationship is not as close as it used to be. Is right. that it? Or is your question that is jealousy that there are other best friends? Well, 
No, 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 not the jealousy part. So it's more that the friendship is starting to is doesn't it lost its luster that that pre, that intensity. Right. Correct. Okay. So now, what is your question? So how how can we rebuild it? Now, let me ask you the other way. Who said it's supposed to be rebuilt? And let me give you this little theory. I have a program on friendship. And it's in the section one of my phone lines, 718-298-2011. And in section one, let me just find it over here. Learning. Oh, it's about friends. Learning how to connect to everyone and how to make friends. It's program number 18 and number 19. And in Yiddish, it's number 19 and number 20. And the goal, one of the things that I mentioned over this for you to realize that teenagers or children have this concept that's more teenagers, we're going to be best friends forever. My BFF, my best friends, right? Forever. And to recognize that part of friendship and part of relationships is not to be forever. It's meant to be for the moment that we have it. Means what happens if you marry someone then you move to another country? The beauty of the relationship is to learn how to connect, to have a best friend, to be able to trust, to have two or three best friends. And then, for whatever reason, the relationship might make that our paths will separate, which is healthy to be able to now disconnect that intensity, always know the person's there, and then move on now to the next friendship and to have that. Those people that can't make best friends could never make best friends. And the goal is part of, a, in every relationship, there's a beginning, there's a middle, and an end, just like life. And part of the friendship mm-hmm. is to be able to say, now it's over. But when we meet, there's a deep fondness, a deep memory, deep emotions. Do you know, unfortunately, how many people cannot let go of friendships and then they also have difficulties now when they have to change jobs and they're still angry at the old job where they never let go of their friends? There are some people that can never let go and that's part of the issue. Now, I wonder if you and your friends, best friend need to say, you know something? We can be best friends when we're around each other all the time, but when we're not around, we could just remain close. What happens was one of the examples I give over there, when a friend changes, their personality changes. And so many times they try to keep the relationship the way it was, but we're not the same. Some of us go through challenges. Some of us grow, grow through challenges. Some of us grow through successes, but we're not the same person. And that's needed right. to recognize that interests are allowed to change, people are allowed to change, and the relationship will now be on a lower level where you don't speak every day. You just speak once a month. Just, hi, how are you? You don't speak till five years, but then there's a connection there. So part right. of my recommendation to you is to Learn the process and maybe discuss this with your friend about friendship. Let things change. Let things evolve. Right. My I mean, da- do you have any, like, any like, tips of how to like, let it just go? Ah, I don't believe in letting. I believe in communicating. So have your friend listen to the recording of this program. And you guys can mm-hmm. discuss, okay, we're in different seminaries. How can, what can we speak? And it might be, we'll just talk two, three great concepts. For an example, you might connect to friends in seminary, but you don't feel discussing some of the pains of your family. She might just not feel comfortable. But being that you guys know each other for 10 years or 15 years, you know the little nitty-gritty stuff, so the detailed stuff that you can say for her. Right. But the day-to-day stuff that's going on in seminary with the different teachers and the whole politics and all that stuff that go on, hopefully it's not Lashon Hara, that you can keep for those friends that understand what you're talking about. So just because one area of the friendship is disconnecting doesn't mean the whole friendship has to disconnect. You might be able to clarify this area is where we're staying friends. Here's a place I'm reserving for you. And not only, but for now. Right. Okay. Thank you. you. Such a vital and important question. Thank you. I appreciate that. We are going to Kayla. Kayla on line one. You're on the air with Mordechai. 
Hi, thank you first for your hotline. I gained a lot from it. My honor and pleasure. Thank you. Okay, um, my son, he's 11 years old. He's suffering from a lot of fears. And I tried your advice that I heard on the radio show. Yes. So I asked him to tell me all his fears and, you know, take it to the next, take it to the end. Yes. And um, the, I took it to the end. He told me he's scared from the Gehenna that we were ended, but I don't know where to go further from there. From there. Um, hmm. It's very hard to give the guidance without speaking to your son because it's like every step, and then we'll call back next week. So I'll just give you the general info, but then either have the com either if you feel safe having your son call up the line himself so I can speak to him. Yeah, but he's in chaydus. He's in chaydus, so that won't work. Or then just get to a therapist that can just deal with it because it's nothing complicated. But I'll try to give you the basic tools, and then when you ask him, once you get to the bottom line, afraid again, then you ask him, what can reassure you. What do you want to hear? And it might be what's an emotional solution means something that's not real. It means to ask the... Sometimes you might say the Rebbein Shalom will guarantee him that he won't have a problem. can be many different tools and tips out there emotionally. It doesn't have to be real. And if that happens, then that can help him. I tried that, but he didn't come up with anything. So here's where you need guidance. That's all. I, it's hard for me. So you've tried the tool, but you just need someone that has experience. That's where experience comes in. That's where training comes in. Okay, thank you. You're very welcome. And for those that would like, the number to call in is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. Looking forward to taking your question or comment. Um, um, sh sure, just give me one second here. I'm going to read a question. And this is just going to be for you to give it to her. That's it. I'm sorry, I was just asked over here a question. Um, so we've got over here a text. And the text goes as follows. I want to give Gitti Chizik. And again, the number for those of you listening now, we've got availability right now to take some questions. It's 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And we got over here to give Gitti Chizik. I want to give Gitti Chizik on the question with a hard family situation. I've dealt with it and I'm still going through the process. I went to a Rav to get guidance and halacha. It isn't easy and, and it's a very painful process, but worthwhile to go through. The pain, it's worth to go through the pain. It's harder to live with the trouble of the situation. And that is so true. Again, the number to call in 718 683 5858. 718 683 5858. Looking forward to taking your questions or comments. Here we go. How do I get over the constant fear? And I'm not going to be addressing this question because I feel it's too hard. Um, for the year, I just want to get you aware. How do I get over constant fear that I have with what's going on in the world? It's so bad that I'm afraid to go away for the weekends. I'm in, un in a, to an unfamiliar place. Classical anxiety, my friend. And the high levels of anxiety that you need a licensed professional experience in anxiety as well, chances are there might even be friends, there might even be issues, their medication might be needed. I just don't want to scare you about that. I'll definitely recommend go to a therapist, start vitamins, start everything like that. One other message we got over here is, hi, it's your friend Chaim from Cutler's. We miss you. Thank you, Chaim, Cutler's. Appreciate that. 
The number for your question or comment is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. We had all lines lit up, and then they all went blank, and we got the callers coming in again. So thank you. The number is 718-683-5858, and we seem to have lost the callers over here. All right. Let's go take an interesting question over here. I am getting ready getting ready for the exciting exciting movement of making a bar mitzvah and having a lot of mixed emotions and inner feelings of pity for my older son that was well, that was going through a very challenging era emotionally to him and Baruch Hashem the time the nightmare went crazy now I'm able to plan and prepare for the next simcha and inviting everyone and all the planning and everything my son is planning on saying the whole Dvar Torah. My question is, should I limit the extras because the other one didn't have it? I feel bad. A fantastic question. Question is as follows. I have one kid that had a difficult time at a bar mitzvah. Now a second kid is being bar mitzvah. Do we make less because the first one couldn't have it? And I'm a very big believer in absolutely not. Now I know there are many people and many, I've even heard from Rabbanim where they've said, um, no, make everyone the same. I've heard Rabbanim say to each kid, let's teach the children to do each kid with what it was. So you might sit down with the older son and say, let me explain to you. We did less at your bar mitzvah because it was a situation, not because we loved you less, not because we did less. Now with the older kid, with the second kid, we can give more. This is what we wanted to give you. Are you okay with that? Or what can we do special for you that you can be able to to feel comfortable, but we, we want to do is we don't want to equalize all children. It never works. We want to give each child to feel we gave you what you need. So just like if we had to take you to therapists, just like at that time we gave you more time with doctors than we're able to give to others, to the other children, now this kid, we can give what we want to give. So this is what we want to give you. I'm a big believer in discussing it and being open with that. So that, I feel, is a fantastic question. We are going to go to Suri. Suri, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hi, first of all, thank you so much for your show. You're very welcome. I'm hooked every Tuesday. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. Okay, so just to make the question short, um, I'm a teacher, and a girl confided in me in a, like, with a very hard time she's having at home. Um, she's being verbally abused, physically abused, and it came to a point that I realized that I have to involve someone else besides myself because I can't deal with it. Of course. My only problem is that I had promised her to be to keep this private and to keep it quiet she didn't want to tell me anything before only if i promised that i'm not going to tell anyone not her parents not the principal and i'm not going to talk to anyone about it so i did get to a point where i spoke to her and i explained to her that it's not in my power anymore to help her after it's my responsibility to forward it to someone more experienced than me the only problem is that she's you know she's sort of giving me the permission to ask someone about it to talk to someone about it. My question is, am I allowed to, um, she's only like giving me certain subjects that I'm allowed to talk about and not this and not that and only this way and only that way and only with her permission. My question is, if I promised her I'm not going to tell anyone, can I just um, pick up a phone to, first of all, that's my question, to whom? Second of all, once I do that, um, am I allowed to have her meet someone without her parents' knowledge? Okay, the year, Baruch Hashem, I so appreciate it. Um, 
And yes, we will be dealing with and, and discussing. Okay, there are a lot of questions coming. I didn't even realize what's going on over here. Okay. Um, let's go deal with your question because it's very important a, as a teacher. Number one, when someone wants to confide in you, a licensed therapist, we need to tell people everything remains confidential except for certain issues that need to be discussed. One of them is unfortunately if a person wants to harm themselves or if certain abuse, certain things that have happened or that is happening, we are mandated reporters. I'm a believer when a kid opens up to a teacher, what the teacher's response should be is, of course, I'll keep everything confidential, but you need to understand that if it's something that needs to be done action, I will take it. I will tell you about it, but that is healthy. You want the person to feel that secrets are not meant to be kept secrets. That's the pr biggest problem with abuse. The biggest problem with unhealthiness is it stays unhealthy. It keeps locked. The longer it's locked, the unhealthier it remains. Now let's go to you. If she's giving you the opportunity to open up to someone you want to have, and if it's major abuse, physical abuse and stuff going on, you need a professional. You need to ask the school principal who is a professional that we can send to. I can tell you all schools have someone that they will be able to work with or that the school works with. There's a school therapist. I even know that Satmar has, and I know the therapist that the Satmar Yeshivas has. So I just want people to understand that you would assume that maybe a closed kahilo where they don't want the outside influences getting in, Satmar has licensed social workers in the yeshiva so every school has got contact to a therapist who they use it's there you need to right the only problem is that i i promised her i'm not going to talk to the principal about it and well no well you clarify now is where you learn to be the adults what i'm educating is you'll go back to the girl and tell her look this that i promised the promise wasn't a healthy promise because i am continuing the unhealthiness that you feel now i'm feeling it what we need to do is we need to get help involved your problem cannot remain that way, and if you keep it in the way it is, Chas it will continue. Not only by you, but even future generations. And if you don't want me to tell, maybe, I'm not sure yet, we need to find out what your position is, if you have a right or not to. I don't want to go there yet, because I'm assuming she'll give you permission to tell us someone else has to speak about this. And if you don't, I, do nev I never want to speak to you about these topics. You have no right to dump on me a, a situation without giving me the tools to deal with it. So imagine your friend is telling you she's having heart chest pains, you're worried of a heart attack, the left hand is tingling, she's feeling numbness, will you keep quiet? Right, 100%. 100% what? Will you remain quiet? No, no, I won't. I'll so go to this the doctor, is going on now. You need to explain to you, you're having on an emotional heart attack and it will have dangerous repercussions. Right, so my last question is, someone. am I allowed to connect her with someone if she's already open to talking to a therapist? about what's going on in her life because I can't help her anymore? I believe you need to go with the school permission. You do anything behind people's backs. You're a teacher belonging to the school. You need to have, the school needs to have a policy. The school needs to have its therapist that it uses where the parents don't need to know about. We see someone's worried. So you just spoke. We had her speak to the school therapist. Whatever the school policy is, if the school policy is then we inform the parents that we're having your kids speak to the therapist. So do that. If, this, if the policy is not to, it's not to. This is not your issue. This is not the teacher should be struggling with it. This is a principal board of directors issue when a kid has got major stresses in the house and they open up to a teacher what is the policy okay i, I wonder if they ever had such a situation uh, before what and i human being does not have what school does not have kids that have issues right. every school does it's part of it part of being a school is we're going to have the issues and we'll deal with it and may, you might be the first one to bring it up that they have to face it but you first work with your kids permission because schools do not always know how to be confidential Sometimes it gets out. It could be that's a lot. That's what I'm afraid. I'm afraid it's going to get out. I'm afraid not well, only that's why you parents. first tell the girl, I need to speak to someone because you cannot leave this responsibility onto me. Okay. 
And I do that the same thing. Clients know there are certain things that will not remain confidential because I am not allowed to legally and be. I don't want to hold that, which means I will work with the person. You give me a name who we can shift it to. You tell me someone, but it has to be told. Okay. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. On the Lakewood Scoop, we've got some questions over cool. here. Can you mention about letting go because it's so important? And since I learned that it, it's so much, I'm so much happier. People didn't realize how much they're suffering more than they need to. Thanks for your show. Very true. Very hard to explain about letting go without knowing that. Number four, we got a request to call. And if I can please read number four, my mother treats me differently than my oldest siblings. My other sisters have big issues, so they need her and my brother. So they need her and my brothers don't really have any relationship because their wives don't. My brothers tell me that she's intimidated by me because of all the good I have. Therefore, she's very negative about my feelings, will say things to hurt me while pretending she doesn't know what's hurtful. Is that true? Can a parent be jealous of their kids to give a better picture of my parents? They're in their high 70s and we kids are in the 30s and 50s. Okay. This question, again, we're dealing with parents. I need to first, I feel I've been... Need to go. I have an entire parent program where, unfortunately, where there are people, parents that have an unhealthiness, how to deal with that. And that is program number two in my phone line. Program number two, it's an entire hour share. But I give over there a huge hagdama beforehand. I'm going to say this again. Parents, kibbedava aim is from the cornerstones of Yiddishkeit. Those that don't respect their parents will have a hard time respecting the rabbinish loyalim. In psychology, we see it clearly. And therefore, I need to explain this and clarify. We aren't getting a heter. When I say speak to a rav, what's the heter to disconnect from parents? No. The heter is how to remain healthy in a relationship when the parent is not healthy. However, the mitzvah's kibbutz aim still go on when you don't talk about the parents. You might daven and say to him for the parents. You might do therapy on yourself to visualize how much they're loving you and they want to help you, but they're just not able to because of an illness. But mitzvah's you're going to have a life. aim is important. As that person has mentioned over there, when we've had earlier, where his son got the heter, mentioned to him the Ramah, that you don't have to listen. I heard Farah Palm himself many times saying, yes, there's a Ramah that says you don't have to listen to your parents when it comes to Shaduchim. If they don't want you to marry someone you want to. But Rav Palm said, but listen good, good to what your parents say because they really do love you and they will stay with you. Listen very well. Yes, there's a heter not to understand. It is a heter not to, which means you're supposed to and understand that parents are there and they love you. You've got a complicated situation here. You want a question like that on number four, just like that? I need you to realize you need therapy. Your siblings are between 20 and 30 years old, means this pain has been going on for years. Your parents are in their 70s. Chance of them changing is very little. You're going to have to learn how to deal with it. You need a competent rub as well, what's right and what's not right. Question number five. There is, this is to the father who you were just speaking to. Is it possible there's a different story from your son's eyes? My in-laws feel that my husband stabbed them in the back, and they have a book of proof, which is to boil down that they want to every demand and request no matter what, including my husband going to them for Shabbos, who, us, the wife and kids, including my husband, taking them away for Pesach. Each time they ask or they tell us, they say the first time we ever speak to you something, you're saying no. They tell people... We are coffee and terrible children. In reality, they're really wrong. Maybe you should do the family social worker like I wish my in-laws would go to agree. Number six, 
How do you overcome turning red and blushing? All right, let's go take that. I didn't want to mention that to that father because, which is there are two sides to everything. In this father's case, he was 100% sure he's right. And I wasn't here to question his reality. One thing that does happen is when we deal with our 2% that we might be wrong, we might see we're more. We might see we're less. There are definitely two sides to the story. And unfortunately, this is a machla that is affecting Klal Yisrael, where people are each are blaming the other ones in family situations. There are fights that are going on. And the answer is, let each side just go to work on themselves like in Sholem Bayis, and then we see huge changes. So I agree with you. We are now going to go to Bella. Bella, you're on the ear with Mordechai. Thank you so much for your show. I want to say that. Um, I want to ask a question. Yes. Um, I sent you a text message just now about my fear of how the world is um, kind of, you know. Oh, thank you for calling up, because that is so complicated to just deal with a, a message. Right. So I and I just have a very constant fear. I'm always watching the news. I'm always on the Internet, you know. I'm sure, uh, you know, uh, updating myself of what's going on in Israel and the world sure. and everything. And I, you know, I have like a constant fear of what's going on. Now, let me so ask you, I... did this fear just develop? Or do you have this for about 30 years? And is your parents also, which one of your parents are just afraid and always worried? Like, watch where you cross and and make sure, you know, to check everything well. And do you have food for along the way? Not really. I'm just, you know, I'm really asking, young. Let's just go there. Not really. So. Which one of your parents are a little fearful about stuff? Or gets hysterical, gets nervous very fast? My mother. Yeah, and how often does she yell and scream as she can't handle things when family's coming here for Shabbos? And it's always such tragedy and anxiety. And she goes, I don't know why I was so nervous. It was so simple. Always. She has. Uh, she she constantly has, has bad dreams about things like that. Say that again. She, she, consci- she constantly has what? Bad dreams. Bad about. dreams, exactly. So let's yeah. understand that you were raised. It's so simple the way you're asking your question. That you're making it so normal that you're not even realizing a past and a, and a present. Which means one of the ways I can tell, for those of you who like to know the secret, how do I know when I ask why I ask certain times why your parent, which one of your parents has it? When you make anxiety such a normal thing, it means you are raised with that, that the other side, you don't know what calm is. So it's one of the telltales that many times happens. I can't guarantee it, but that's why I ask. So I'd like you to understand that from the day you were born, your mother had this concern, had this fear. So the brain subconsciously assumes this is normal. Now, when you have it in a different area than your mother had it, then you go, hey, this isn't normal. My mother isn't afraid of going out. But what you need to realize is your brain has been taught and is, was raised with anxiety. So it's just a question of it always transferring different anxieties to different places. Right. Like, even when I, when I see, like, some, like, a random person, sometimes I get scared. Like, I, I think too much about it. I say, I don't know, maybe this person could be, like, some bad terrorist or something, you know? Sure. Sure. Um, how do I, like, is there a way to get over it? Is it something, Certainly like, Certainly is. That's... Certainly is. And on the regular as Beis Hillel would say, go for therapy. <laughs> Beis Hillel, basically, oh. the Gemara... Hey. Famous Gemara, so the person says, teach me the whole Torah, regal achas. And basically he says, what you wouldn't want done to you, don't do it to someone else. But basically from there is everything. So I'll I'll say the short words. Anxiety is very workable, very curable. With Siyat HaDashmaya and just just get the help. I mean, I can give you some of the tools. I can say them, but it won't work because part of the therapy of anxiety is working it through, identifying, falling, helping you go into those fears, go into the real shirish, what it was like, and it's it's quite extensive. But, and I have... Mm-hmm, go sorry, ahead. I have one more question. I'll, uh, we'll give you the time. Ago, sent, it's all yours. Go ahead. 
I have a, um, last, a couple of weeks ago, I sent you a text message saying about how I have a fear of my um, kids going off the derech. And so how many the fears parents, do you have, and by the way? I only have, and my baby is only eight months. That's so thank you. Kids, so. Hold on. I'm just applauding you. I'd like everyone to listen. Anxiety means, i just like to clarify in simple terms so we understand what the word anxiety is. And I'm not diagnosing you anxiety, anxiety. I just want you to realize this is, right. we'll call it a heightened level of stress because I don't like diagnosing, but it definitely is where therapy is needed and it can help you. Therapy doesn't mean you're crazy. It just means you just need someone that has experience how to deal with this tool. So if you want to learn how to sew, will you just say anyone that took lessons or will you go to someone that's a seamstress or that knows how to right. teach? So all I'm so saying I'll is- tell you yeah, hold on. So let's just clarify. I'd just like to take your question. Let's understand. What okay. anxiety is or what you're describing is when the brain, the subconscious part, does not feel confident within, we will, every time there will be something that might be a fear, we don't have the emotional part saying, it's okay. Let go. We can't say let go because the brain is afraid. So now if you have an eight-month-old kid and you see a kid that's off the derech at 16, right away your brain, because it's so connected, the emotions are all open without any protection, without any shields getting in there, right away, oh, this might happen to my kid. Then you're going to Chassashom, here someone had a heart attack. Oh, who said this won't happen to me? Well, I guarantee that we have will live the next second. We don't. People with anxiety are walking around with fears every second. Then whatever you see that it's a little close to you that might turn on your emotion, you will feel it within yourself. That is anxiety. People like saying that's called a weak self-esteem. It's everything together. And when we work on a person with anxiety, we work on inner self-esteem. We work on the ability to feel protected. We work on the ability to be able to hear stuff and that it shouldn't go within us. We deal with which is strengthening your filter. We work on the ability to imagine negative stuff and it shouldn't affect us, which is a regulation process. How to hear a negative, but it shouldn't go from 1 to 10 to a 10, to be able to go to a 1 or a 2 only. Okay. All this is separate sessions. They're not, they're not right. like I'm trying to boost up, oh, I want therapists to make money. Just explain to you, it's just of tools. That's, what, what do you suggest, like in somewhere in Brooklyn? Like, I always suggest? recommend to call Relief. There are also some workbooks I'd recommend, like, um, what's his name? Um, it's a goyish uh, writer, but it's a more CBT, a cognitive method for anxiety. So I'd rather not mention any goyish names, but I would just tell you that there are books out there that you can try to look for, for anxiety or a workbook, how to deal with anxiety. Start yeah. creating the awareness for that. And like The reason, I mean, a little bit, I'm um, a little bit of a background. The, re the reason for uh, my anxiety about that is because my, it's my family. They're just like, you know, um, my dad, he goes to shul. He go, you know, he's always in shul and things like that. He he's religious, but not uh, so religious as they they keep Shabbat fully. You know, who is this? The, um, my family, yes. my father. You know, and I, uh, I'm the only one in my, you know, kind of getting there fully religious. Yeah, um, that's amazing. And, you know, so I'm the different one. And my mom, she watches my, you know, my baby. When I go to work. By the way, so. we got about a minute to go, so if we need to, just like, just okay. let's hear the question. Let me see if I can give the answer for a second. You know. Okay, so that's that's really why I have a fear of my child going. You know, a little bit. Uh, I understand the rationale. I uh, just understand that, just like you've come, you're. Let's let's recognize there's a rationale to every anxiety. Does someone not have the right to be worried about a heart attack? I mean, what guarantees do we have? We will be around tomorrow. Right. There's a reason for you to be concerned, but it's the over concern. That fear, 
Concern and fear are two different things. Stress and anxiety are two different points. People tell me, oh, how could, how could a person not have anxiety? All of life is anxiety. I clarify, no, all of life has got stressors in it. Not anxiety. Anxiety is overwhelming. Anxiety is debilitating. Anxiety is when we yell and we scream. Stress and anxiety right. are two different levels. Right. So our goal with you is to have stress, not to have anxiety. To have a concern and then to think, okay, what can I do that when my kids get older, that if they hang around my parents that aren't so Shimer Shabbos, well, what can I do? How can I teach them? And I'll just right. give you the one reassurance, and with this we'll close, is that I have one of a good friend that I had. Uh, we haven't been in touch for years, but he told me, and he's about Tshuva. I've mentioned this in the past. He learned to Munam Batachan and the Rabbi Shalom just from his father. He says his father was an Israeli, and they were playing backgammon, Shesh Besh, and, his, and he asked his right. father, Is there a Shem? Yes, and he answers, Betach. And he threw the dice, and he said, There's such a Betach, such a certainty, that to him he knew there was a Rabbi Shalom. There's no question. So let's understand that while your parents might not be that from, well, that Shemr Shabbos, there are so many positives to them. And almost there every rabbi always dealt with it and always said to my go dad, ahead. My, my dad's in shul at 5 o'clock in the morning. And that's right. So, so, let's, that's right. So, let's, so it's the anxiety that's making you doubt and not appreciate the positives that we can see from them. Thank you for your question and for your Thank call. You so and much. everyone, looking forward to having you, Mr. Shem, next week on again. Hatzlacha.